Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Download episodes of previous shows. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Riot Podcast on whatever podcast service you <laughs> so choose. That is true. Wherever you're listening, thank you guys for tuning in today. Yeah, we've uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we've got a couple of pla- a couple of places we'd love to hear from you. One is a review. Mm-hmm. If you yes. want to review us on your podcast service of choice. But more importantly, we want you to go and follow us on TikTok yeah, at Radio U Official. Radio U Official. We have a TikTok from this morning's show. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to do more of those for you guys there so you can you know, enjoy the podcast, but also have a chance to watch us do things too. Yes. Very exciting stuff. Even though Isaiah, I almost threw my phone making that TikTok. I hate it. You hate it? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm much more a person who enjoys watching TikTok than, than making actually them. making them. Than making yeah. it, which is really hard to make it while we're still doing the show. I'm just like, yes. I hate this. <laughs> but hopefully that means you guys really need to like it and uh-huh. appreciate yeah. it. Or and Nikki's going to or Nikki's gonna peace out on that. Yeah. Will, or definitely at least follow us at Radio U Official on uh, TikTok and say hi there. So today on the podcast, mm. we talked about Aaron Rodgers and how he is completely destroying my fantasy team. Oh, oh is he really? not playing this week, yes. Oh, yeah, we didn't ask you how you thought about yeah. that. Upset. You're That's upset. how I think. Because he's not going to play. I need yeah. him. Yeah. I need, you him, need him to play. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm upset with Aaron. You're probably more upset than I am. Yeah. I'm, I, he's like literally, I, I have no you backup f- quarterback, so I had to pick somebody up. He's Who not going to be pick? nearly as good. I haven't even picked anybody up yet. Because I was like, maybe because they say he's doubtful. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they two think days he ago. might not even have two games. Yeah. Though. And yeah. so then I was like, so I was like, okay, maybe he'll play. And then, like, yesterday or whenever it was, it was confirmed that he's done for yeah. for Sunday. So yeah. I uh, was upset. Because um, he was uh, doing breast milk treatments instead of just getting the vaccine. <laughs> you can't just throw that out there without Allegedly. Me. You don't even This also... is a theory that I've developed. I haven't seen anybody else putting this out there. I'm Did you, pre- I want the credit for it, it when Did it is confirmed later today. Did you put the podcast? What? Bo- yes. Okay, good. Yes. I just want to make sure because if not, they'll never hear what that's about. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah, that's in there too. Too. Yeah, we talked about that. We also talked about a good place if you'd like to hide drugs. Mm-hmm. We have a couple suggestions for you. Yeah. One place not What's to hide drugs. What's in the them. box? Yes. <laughs> What's in the box? Not, one place not to hide drugs. Uh, of course, the ba- the bad joke would be the only worst place would be in a box of donuts because oh, it's police. No. But uh, no, we, we, would, we would never say that. No. Hey, no. The police had fun with this Yeah, one. they, they did. did. Um, but it is a place that actually we were concerned that we might be contributing to the drug smuggling <laughs> yes. business. Might be a part There's, of this. Right? There's a no idea. Like we never look in the cabinet, so we don't know <laughs> what's yes. going on in there. We okay. may be involved somehow. If we ever uh, get, if we get taken down, this mm. is why. We uh, talked about that. We also talked about uh, one of my favorite places that I, I haven't been to in a while, which is Bob Evans. Oh, yeah? Uh, something that I've never done, and Bob Evans is actually shoot myself. Mm. But... 
He uh, never lived until yeah, he I know, exactly. himself one time in the bathroom Bob of a Bob Evans, you know. Right. Um, but I, I do love <laughs> Bob Evans. I know, right? You know, if you go to Bob Evans, you better be strapped. I yeah. think we all we all yeah. should know this. You gotta be you gotta be caring because you never know what might go down. I don't know. I got a new purse and it's smaller. Uh-huh. I don't think I can get a gun hidden in there enough. Uh-huh. I just, you wouldn't I, be able to conceal it? I don't think I can conceal it well. And I would never feel comfortable wearing a concealed gun. Yeah. I feel like that's when I would accidentally shoot yeah, myself. Yeah, right. And there's and you're the one that's going to get shot yeah. in that yeah, situation. Exactly. Exactly. At least or, in your purse, it might hit somebody else. Or you yes. sit weird enough because, you know, you're like, is that is that a gun? Or like, <laughs> what is that? You're like, no, don't look at it. <laughs> you just want to be able to play it cool. No, I could, no. I could not. Yeah, like, like, don't touch me. Yeah, exactly. I, like, I'd be so worried about it the whole time. I that's what I'd be thinking about if I had it like put away somewhere. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'd be thinking about the whole time. It's like, is this thing gonna shoot me in the kneecap? We'll have to, like, I'd have to continually check and be like, is the safety on? Yeah. Like, is it on? Like you have to keep checking your phone to make you're sure. Right, yeah. I'm like, right. it's like when, if you're at church and like the ringer, you're like, is my ringer actually <laughs> off though? Like, I checked it for the third time. Yeah. I'm like, is it off or not? <laughs> We'll have to well, ask uh, Sydney because she's taken uh, like gun courses. Carry. Maybe she know. Maybe p- half the class is just now, how to be maybe comfortable she's with your gun. Every day at work, we don't even Wait, know. That's what I was gonna say. We have a no gun sign on the we front. We do. We do. Yeah. I don't even notice because it's never concerned me. Well, especially the one day the guy broke in. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So like we, you, you can't. You're not really supposed to bring a gun in here. Uh-huh. What if she has one? Well, you need to have a metal, metal detector. What if she yeah. thinks she doesn't need to follow the no gun oh. rule? What if she? accidentally shoots herself in the bathroom yeah. one day. <laughs> Clearly we can't handle ourselves but Sydney does sit at the front desk a lot so uh-huh. you know maybe. maybe. Maybe she's our protector. She's protecting us silently. If we, no, uh, we even know. add security guard to her title? Yes. It could be. We have also the button at the front desk which I always thought like it's an emergency button. Uh-huh. If you hit it it just calls the police right away. And it's right where your knee is. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, when I was shown that, I was like, I'm never sitting at the front I desk. Know. Like, there's no chance I'm going to be close to that thing. I know there's going to be a time where I'm messing around and yeah. I just bump it. So go ahead and try to break in. We'll shoot ourselves uh-huh. yeah. and not Apparently. be able to manage it. But if Sydney's sitting at the front desk, you she probably should, yeah. you should walk Don't away. Don't mess with Sydney. <laughs> well, thank you guys for enjoying the podcast today. We do have plans, um, if you're done with the podcast, to head over to Radio U Riot on our Facebook and our YouTube channel because... We should be doing a, another lunch show yes. where Isaiah and I will be dining uh, the finest of the finest. finest of dining. We will be having the McRib for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can get mm-hmm. candles or like Ooh, play some music. I, can't. I love a candle. Uh, if not, we'll just take a bite, hate it, and then Hudson will eat the rest. And we'll eat, yeah. and we I'm going to have three McRibs for lunch, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, so make sure you hop over and watch that when you're done with the show. All right, guys. Well, we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye. The Riot Podcast. Radio. I uh, I feel that I was I was ready to go today. Yeah, I was all set with the car situation. We talked yesterday about the frosty windshield. I didn't get my uh, vinegar bottle locked down yet <laughs> to take care of that. Well, I, let's give a little bit more context. Yeah. Yesterday there was an article about if you're in an area where it's starting to finally get a little frosty. Yeah, uh, you know your uh, windshield and stuff can take longer to get ready, and there was this mixture of. Um, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, just vinegar and water. <laughs> That's it. And yeah. you, you need a spray bottle and you make it yourself and you spray your window down when you tuck it in mm-hmm. uh, in your car at night. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're supposed to be fine when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, so I don't I don't think I have any vinegar on hand, but I didn't, what you just don't want to do is walk out to your car and on your normal schedule and then realize you're going to have to sit there for five, 10 minutes while it defrosts. Yeah. So I forgot about the vinegar, but what I 
or not forgot, I just didn't have any. But what I did do is make sure I set all of the settings in the car so that it would have the heat uh, and the defrost on so I could remote start it before uh, before I went out there. And so, you know, it was all set to go. I tried to remote start my car this morning. You know yeah. what it doesn't do? It doesn't remote it start. It doesn't remote start. Hey! I'm like, you know, Is you the have battery to. battery dead? Or? No, no. You, you know, you have to, like, you have to lock it, right? To yeah. make sure that it, it won't remote start unless it's locked. So I'm like locking it. So it just, the horn just keeps going off because I'm just trying to make it so that it will You're start. Just set the alarm. And I, if anybody else was uh, awoken, awaked, uh, if anybody else was risen from their slumber because of my. <laughs> Horn, I apologize, <laughs> but I was just trying to get my car to remote start, and I never did. Aww. I had to actually go out there and just sit in the cold car. And wait. Yeah, but well, at least, why don't you at practice least, in the parking lot today yeah. to figure out the remote well, start? It worked yes, it worked yesterday, so that's what I don't know. Uh-oh. I don't want to have to remote start it. Mm. I know it's a little colder in there, but you know, I feel like that's a waste of gas. Okay, well let's bad go back. for the environment. Why don't I why if, I just need the vinegar spray, I let's guess. Let's go back to that. We'll go get you some uh We'll send Isaiah out for some vinegar, vinegar? today. Yeah, He's got to go out later today anyways. Go. So, like, it's it's for the show. I think it counts. Yeah. I, and I, I, just, I don't want to keep waking up the neighbors with my honking horn <laughs> going off 80 times. Like, what is this person doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it not working? You want to go out and help them. I, I did used to have a neighbor that it, their alarm would just randomly go off in the middle of the night and... Like, sometimes it would go off for a while. No, really? Yeah. Oh, they just it, didn't hear it. I think I think there was something, some electrical thing with their car. Because it would just go off, and they'd go out and turn it off, and then it'd go back on. Then they'd go out and turn it off. And it would just be, it never it would be the, the worst. So, fortunately, I don't think it ever happened while they were away. Because that would be <laughs> tough, right? At that point, you're like, well, what do I pull from underneath the car yeah. so it stops even running It looks at like all. you're trying to steal it. But yeah, but you're not. <laughs> yeah. All your neighbors, they'll stick I just want to sleep. <laughs> Swaps in peace and quiet. Now you know how they felt. Everything you love about the riot, plus a handy dandy fast forward option. This is the worst of the riot podcast. The football world was rocked yesterday, and more importantly, my world. You know how many people asked me yesterday how you're doing? How I'm holding how up? How are you holding up? Because, you know, if you did not know that Hudson is a fan of the Green Bay Packers, uh-huh. a not just a fan, like you just seem like a fan fan. Yeah. Like a real fan. I'm not a, I'm not a fair weather fan. Correct. I stay with the Packers through thick and thin, but more importantly, I stay with Aaron Rodgers through thick and thin. So you are also his fan. Oh, yeah. So like you'd follow his fandom if he moved to another team or something? Much like uh, my wife followed Tom Brady from the Patriots to the Buccaneers and is now still cheers for the Patriots, but much more Buccaneers fan because of Tom Brady. If Aaron Rodgers leaves, I'd probably stick with him. Yeah. Uh, And But he's making it hard on me right now. (laughs) Well, just, again, everybody yesterday was like, how is Hudson doing? Is he handling it okay? What's his thoughts about it? Yeah. Oh, I've got thoughts. (laughs) So the situation is... Yesterday, we found out that Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID nineteen. So the Packers had had a COVID uh, outbreak with yeah, a couple of players. Yeah, they had a few people. It wasn't many, but sure. they had a few guys that had to sit out their game last week. But this is a different time, and this is seems to be separate because there had been nobody that tested positive for several for like almost a week. Mm. It was almost the same time last week where the first batch of guys tested positive. And so I agree with what you said. What's that? Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely Halloween. <laughs> Someone so, went to a Halloween party. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, and what what was causing the controversy was like, 
uh, if you're vaccinated in the NFL and you you test positive, if you test negative twice in a row, mm-hmm. you can come back two days later. But if you're unvaccinated, no matter what, you have to sit out 10 days. And he said early, uh, what's August 26th, he said, he was asked point blank, are you vaccinated? He said, I'm immunized. And, then he and everybody on. took that to mean, <laughs> okay, so he's vaccinated. And then we find out now that uh, he has to sit out the whole 10 days mm-hmm. because he's not actually vaccinated. Well, they also said some of the concern was whether you're vaccinated or not, put that aside. But mm-hmm. if you're not, you have to wear a mask yeah. at all times. And they say that Aaron Rodgers, you know, part of practices and stuff was not. Right. So that's also why people believe that. Yeah. So so uh, we're getting conflicting stories. But now we know. Mm-hmm. We know that he's not vaccinated. However, what the reason he said he was immunized is because apparently he had his doctor had done some kind of homeopathic treatment sure. that's supposed to increase your COVID antibodies. So he was trying to petition the NFL, this is way early in the season, before the season started, that that counts as being vaccinated. Uh, the NFL did not count that as being vaccinated. And apparently neither does his body. Yeah, because but then does that mean that, uh, well, I mean, even with, you can still, yeah, you can because- still get it. Because he's he's having to uh, hang out um, longer. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of tells that. But I mean, do you think he got special treatment compared to some of the other players who weren't being uh, vaccinated? Who even some felt like got cut? You think uh, because of what? Just because he's not wearing a mask, or yeah, because there were certain times where he was not. When yeah. like it felt like he was not scrutinized like other yeah. players were. Well, I think. At the time, nobody really knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the NFL knew, and so he still has to follow the protocols. But if you've also seen some other notable unvaccinated players, they uh, tend to get away with skirting the law or the the protocols, sure. you know, just doing the bare minimum or kind of getting around it. I think there's some loopholes for for like mask wearing. No. Well, yeah, <laughs> star players. But uh, nevertheless... I mean, he's out for 10 days, and so so people are really questioning. He's out for this Sunday's game, and if he develops, so far, he, as far as we know, he's asymptomatic, Mm -hmm. but if he develops any symptoms between now and next Saturday, it's possible that he will have to set out additional days, which would mean he misses next week's game. Well, Hudson's doing all right, guys. I'm Um, hanging in there. He's hanging in there. It's a tough Fortunately, the Packers are 7-1. They're in first place, so even if they lose two games without him, They'll bounce back, and this will give him extra motivation. Now he has to get back out there and prove himself and uh, really lead the team extra hard because he's not there to lead the team now. Is the backup quarterback for the Packers pretty good? Uh, we don't know. Oh, he never gets to play? He's never uh, played Aww, before. He's excited, He's the man, one he's that they drafted to replace Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh, no. So uh, if you're Aaron Rodgers or if you're the Packers, it's kind of a win-win. This is The Riot. Radio U. How's some Chipotle sound to you right about now? Every time Chipotle's in the news, it's not too good. It's not good, except this. This might. <laughs> this is at least uh, neutral. Neutral is, news. So this is why they say that Chipotle is has begun in the last year or so testing more items uh-huh. because they need some good news yeah. <laughs> to combat all the You're other. Right. For the longest time, they would never they would never change their menu. Yeah, and then they started having the the different bad news cycles that would come out for them, and so they have to do something to combat that. Well, the and most recent of, one was uh, the the burrito, the burrito. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, Halloween. don't bring that up. This is what they're that's what they're trying to cover up with this story. <laughs> they don't want you to know how that maybe went a little bad. Mm-hmm. They <laughs> so, want you to forget about that so about how nobody thing. could get their free burrito or discounted burrito. <laughs> 
Uh, so what they are doing is they've announced they are testing for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ch- oh, for the first time in 28 years. Chipotle's been around for 28 years? I guess. I didn't know that. Chipotle is testing a new chicken option. Uh, how's that sound, huh? It is, uh, <laughs> they're calling it Pollo Asado, yeah. which is a fresh new flavor of chicken. You can find it at 95 restaurants in the Cincinnati and Sacramento area. So it's still testing. It's not a, right. a full option, but it's grilled chicken. It's got garlic, lime, peppers, cilantro, and that's the two Ooh, testing markets those, right now. Never heard of those peppers. Gua, guajillo. Yeah, that's that's. It, it sounds pretty good. It might be good. Sometimes though, when I would go to Chipotle, it's been a while. Uh-huh. Um, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's not always pleasant. But oh, yeah. the last time I went, sometimes the sauce on their meats is what I don't like. That's what you don't like? Yeah, like I wish... I would just be like, can I just have it plain without any sauce? Do you ever find, and this is not just Chipotle, this is just almost any, it's just, I guess, a theme of Mexican food, or definitely if you make it with, if you make like Mexican beef at home Mm -hmm. for tacos with like pre-made seasoning, it's so, so salty. Yeah. And so you really have to make it on your own in a way that is okay for you because if you just buy the old El Paso or whatever, you're just eating a table. (laughs) You're just eating a block of salt. And I feel that Chipotle falls into that same trap. It's not. It's a block of garlic and lime (laughs) and these peppers and cilantro. So it's different. Uh, They are accelerating adding new menu items. Uh, They call this stage gate testing. Mm -hmm. And they are doing strategic testing with new releases, limited time options uh, to drive customer traffic at different points throughout the year. Yeah. So they kind of want to just hit and just try to bump up things. Uh-huh. So that's what they keep trying to do. I'll tell you, the uh, the picture looks good. Yeah. It could be good. Right now they have the uh, the new thing, the brisket, right? Uh, yes, I think so. That's one of the testing things they've yeah. been doing a limited uh, time. That sounds good, too. I. Maybe I should give Chipotle another try. I thought you're pretty set on not. I'm, fa- you know, I've been fairly happy for the last several years. Not going, not going to Chipotle. So I don't know if I need it in my life anymore. But they're trying to tempt me. They're trying to draw me in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day for the show. We, we dip our toe in the water that way. Well, today we're doing an after show for lunch, uh-huh. and we will be trying, because Isaiah and I have never tried the McDonald's McRib. Yes. And I keep getting the ad that it's the most important sandwich of the year. Oh, really? <laughs> it's this ad that keeps pulling up. That's weird. That's a uh, weird way to like, bring why, it up. Why are you targeting me? Yeah. <laughs> but it's working, because we're going to try that at lunch today and just hang out on our Facebook and our YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Um, so so maybe, you don't want to swap that out and do the uh, Chipotle brisket? get instead uh maybe why don't you let's do that maybe closer to thanksgiving another time yeah we'll just hang out and then have another lunch yeah we're not gonna do it welcome to the riot where you listen to us and uh, that's it it's pretty much a one-way street the riot radio you uh we've got uh johnson county in arkansas the sheriff's office uh they wound up making a big drug bust Earlier this week, yeah, they found let's see methamphetamine paraphernalia in a uh, in a traffic stop. Uh, so that this car and the v- the drivers of the vehicle ran away, hid in Which, a nearby area, I a feel wooded like area. Is shouting out that you're guilty of something? Yeah, if you so. run, 
It's a dead giveaway. You should never run. Never run. If you're ever going to be in trouble, you should not run. You should always walk. Even if you're guilty, you have a better chance of getting out of it if you stay put. You just stay. Like, act like you're not doing anything wrong. Like, is there some sort of issue, officer? I don't know. When you You run, they're going to keep looking and they're going to find more stuff. They're going to look anyways if they see meth paraphernalia, but uh, you're better off just not running as if you're going to get away. Yeah, but there was a woman in the car as well. Mm -hmm. She tried to hide a small bag of pills and then that with the paraphernalia alerted the police mm-hmm. officers that they should probably keep looking to see what else is in there. And so once they searched it, they found 100 grams of methamphetamine, almost 150 Xanax pills, half a pound of marijuana, and a handgun with the serial number scratched off. And all of that, you're thinking, so that what? That's Tuesday in Arkansas, right? It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's a whole party, yeah. But the reason that it's in the news, particularly is because of how they tried to hide the drugs. <laughs> they were storing them in a Little Debbie's oatmeal cream pies box. box yeah. The big pack. We have the photos here. But what's nice is, I mean, that was a lot of drug stuff, and mm-hmm. they had to just shove it into the box, uh-huh. and it didn't quite fit in there. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. sticking out. So it's like you look in, you're like, what's going on with the box of the pies? So they were able to, authorities, uh, when doing the search, said, hey, that didn't sit well with them. Yeah, hey. And then that search led to finding the rest of the drugs. I love the uh, the resourcefulness. <laughs> At least they were trying. You know, Jim, we got to hide these drugs somehow. They say Quick, as, get the little Debbies. As cops, Eat all of them. Eat all of them. We got to have the box empty. I know. They're not saying where the little Debbie things <laughs> went. Yeah. Like they, they clearly finished those a while ago. I feel like this happens more often than not that yeah. you hide things in, in regular plain sight like an oatmeal cream pie box. I uh-huh. feel like that's a pretty regular thing. I, well, they say if criminals start messing with zebra cakes too, we're going to take it personal. Yeah. That's yeah. personal here because we get zebra cakes in our break room a lot uh-huh. and we also get oatmeal cream pies. There's a lot always, of them in there. They're always sitting out in the basket <laughs> outside of the box. Is that why they're dumped out? Where's the box? Where's, yeah, the where's, box? where's our box at? <laughs> I think if these criminals, uh, if they really, like they weren't thinking through, they were not quite clever enough because they should have put it in something that the police officer wouldn't have wanted to go. You th- you're a police officer. You pull over somebody. You see a oatmeal cream pie box. You're like, ooh, I think <laughs> you're gonna have in. one. Yeah, yeah let's steal these from them. <laughs> you put let's, it in. Let's steal something from these people. Yeah, yeah. put it in a bag of salad or something like that. No and one every, will notice. Yeah, nobody will ever check in there. They're just gonna be like, this is probably garbage. Well, I just wanted to raise the flag because with this article, it is concerning that we never see our boxes. They're always just open for us, and then yeah. in our break room, we have oatmeal cream pies. And we have zebra cakes. Mm-hmm. We have the the cakes themselves, but no box. No box. So where did these things go? Yeah, where we, are our boxes? That's we, the real uh, question. Yeah. We don't want to be labeled as an accessory to, to any drug <laughs> smuggling or anything like that. So please leave the little Debbie boxes out of this. They're they're innocent. Choose yes. some, choose something else. This is the worst of the riot podcast. Disneyland in California. It was having some issues earlier this week on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Yeah, what was up? Did you see what happened? Uh, Some riders were stuck on the ride after it shut down for 90 minutes. Isn't that a boat ride? Yeah, it is a boat ride. So you're just stuck on the boat for 90 minutes? They were shipwrecked (laughs) on the boat. They were marooned. (laughs) That's true. That's great. Even though what's worse is the question of how long did they have to wait to get on the ride? Yeah. And then you're like, and another 90 minutes. (laughs) Your whole Disney day is gone right there between the wait 
I don't know if the Pirates of the Caribbean, maybe it's just not popular. That's the one That's when you go on to kill time while you wait for the cool uh, things to open yeah, up. Yeah, maybe it wasn't too know. long. I kind of like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. They call um, it an interruption of 159 minutes. Oh, um, wow. They say that after a while, uh, they just stopped at a certain point, And then because it is a boat ride, uh, workers had to come and they were wearing, you know, like... Waiters? Yeah, the fishing thing. Uh-huh. You know, like the pants so that they don't <laughs> get wet. That's why it was delayed so long. They, they had to go find them. those. They did. Uh, one reporter, his name is Brian Rocos. He was actually one of the people stuck on the ride. And I like that uh, he kind of shared his experience. He says, we are at the point in the ride where the women are chasing the men around in circles and Jack Sparrow is peeking out of a barrel uh, at a pirate who's oh, talking about where, where the secret treasure is. Oh, no. And you think, how can he remember that so clearly? Because they were stuck at that point with the ride still on for 30 minutes. So he watched the women chase the men around and and Jack Sparrow go up and down out of the barrel for 30 minutes before at that point, finally, the lights turned on. This guy, They were still stuck on there. If he's a reporter and stuff, like, Mm -hmm. that's gold. It is, right? That's where he's going to get his following from. So he was so excited to be stuck there. He didn't care. Yep. And it just uh, reopened uh, right before 9 o'clock that evening. And they mm-hmm. say everybody was fine, and yeah. they didn't say how people were compensated, though. Yeah, that's that's what I'm interested to find out. But I'm also thinking, there's worse rides you could be stuck on for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, for this one, they say that, uh, like, again, 30 minutes, the ride was stopped, but everything just kept going all around them for about 30 minutes. So you're just hearing, yo, ho, yo, ho, a pirate's like for me over and over. <laughs> but, I mean, that's not good. But what if you're on the, it's a small world ride. I don't know if you'd make it off. That yeah, I've only gotten I got stuck on the Toy Story, the Buzz Lightyear one. You did, but that so one, your score probably was super high. Well, no, because they turn the lights on <laughs> oh. and then they just talk in a robotic voice, like yeah. you know, just hang on that sort of thing. And that wasn't for very long. Actually, I do take it all back. They did say some updates on what happened. Oh yeah, they said that they were able to push the boats closer <laughs> to the shore area, so they were able to get the people off the ride, uh-huh. and they gave them a behind the scenes look at the ride. Oh wow. And well, they basically got one. No. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and they got some fast passes, too. So that's how they were compensated. Which you could have gotten for free <laughs> until a few months ago. Well, you wouldn't have needed the fast passes if yeah. the ride itself was just able to work. That's right. Well, I'm glad everybody is uh, okay. I wonder, uh, you know somebody had to have used the bathroom during that time, too. That would suck. You know, remember when you're in an emergency situation and if you're with a group of people, yeah. um, what happens stays there. <laughs> You don't talk about it. Yeah. So if someone used the restroom in the Pirates of the Caribbean water, yeah. you're not allowed to talk Do about it afterwards. you think they afterwards. just they flushed it out, though, after the ride just to be safe? Pro- yeah. You know, like cycled all the water out, maybe. drained it out. Yeah, maybe they needed to clean it off. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, for me, after a couple minutes of the ride being stuck, I would get very anxious. And when I get anxious... You have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. You do. I don't know if I do, but at least I feel like I do, which means that I do. Well, just don't talk about it, though. So I don't know how long I'll be able to hold it. You need to wait and then share the details of what happened during those 90 minutes or so no, I, uh, in the book that Hudson will be writing. Yeah. I just know. I know. I never. It's not worth it. No, no amount of fame and fortune and book deals would be worth being stuck 90 minutes somewhere. I don't think I could take that. On a Disney ride. Yeah. If you missed out on the next riot moment when it originally aired, you don't know how lucky you are. You're listening to the Worst of the Riot Podcast. You know what would be good for breakfast? What sounds good? 
a cinnamon roll pie. Yes, I love how you think. Yeah. Oh, it's not how I think. It's how Cracker Barrel thinks. See, I only go, I feel like, to Cracker Barrel on a, what would have been a family vacation with yep. your parents. Uh-huh. And you were on a car ride. Not a flying vacation, uh-huh. but a driving yep, vacation. a road trip. Something centered around your parents. I, uh, I <laughs> would always, to go. I would usually wind up at Cracker Barrel if I had family in town oh, where really? I used to live. And family would come into town, and uh, like the Canadian family, they couldn't get Cracker Barrel in Canada, I don't think. So they always wanted so to go. So Cracker Barrel was a big deal for them, and it was a big deal for us too. It's a it's a restaurant, and it's got a gift shop. Whoa! Whoa. So, uh, <laughs> but I Cracker Barrel, it's divisive because I think in in certain circles, it's like. Oh, that's for those country folk, and they're too, you know, that's what the hillbillies think is good food. And then I, and I'm not a hillbilly, but I think Cracker Barrel's pretty good. You like it? Yeah. See, I so. only really like their breakfast stuff, mm-hmm. but I think you can get that all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's de- <laughs> that's a Cracker remember. Barrel staple. You get pancakes oh. whenever you want if you go to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> well, now they have a, I guess they must also have like a holiday menu, kind of like, you know, Starbucks. They're coming out with their Christmas stuff today. Mm-hmm. And other places have holiday features. And this one looks pretty good. Yeah, it is. It is a cinnamon roll pie. You get it for breakfast, although I do think you can get it all day long and in a way it's not nearly as exciting as it sounds because it looks like it's literally a cinnamon roll Squished baked into, into a, a pie, pie crust so mm. it's just a regular cinnamon roll with a pie crust around it but i'll tell you what especially if that's a grant they don't say it's a graham cracker crust but if it's not that's a missed opportunity that would add one more layer to how <laughs> delicious this would be it's a cinnamon roll baked inside a pie crust drizzled with sweet cream cheese icing mm-hmm. you can get it all day ah, all day that's what you i like get eggs bacon or sausage even though they call it sauce and i think that's a mistake in the article <laughs> yeah i think it uh, is you can have it uh, through december 19th and if not though they also like sell the the Roll pie itself, uh-huh. which sounds like Roll Tide. <laughs> you can buy it itself, like to take away, uh, and that goes through December twenty fourth. Nice. It's also uh, if you do get it for the meal, it comes with fried apples or a hash brown casserole I too. Think See, I need to go. How I, can you not love go. Cracker Barrel when you hear these things coming out of our mouth? Yeah, but it fried apples, was... hash brown casserole. They probably put sausage gravy on it for you if you want. I bet they do, and that wouldn't be wrong. It always felt like it was an older person menu sort of thing. Yeah, but this does sound. Good. It is decorated like uh, it's all. It's like it's recreating a Dolly Parton experience or something, <laughs> you know. But wherever you may be, you don't have to be in Tennessee. You could just be anywhere that a Cracker Barrel happens to be, and it feels like you you've gone back to a, a old mountain, mm-hmm. a still, <laughs> or something like that. It feels like you're going back in the time when you weren't questioning. Did you just eat a whole cinnamon roll pie? Right, that's right. <laughs> you, and definitely going to a place in, in the an area where that's fine. Yeah, it's okay. It's, no matter where you are in life, though, it's weird that for this would feel okay for breakfast. You roll in there at 5 p.m. and you're like, yes, I'd like a nice cinnamon roll pie for di- for dinner, please. That doesn't quite feel right, but it doesn't but mean it's wrong. You can do what you want. Yeah, just go for it. That's just maybe, maybe that's why it's only for the holidays, because mm-hmm. it's a not all the time thing. Store at room temperature. Now that they can do. The Riot Radio U. Every day we see that people are going to farther and farther lengths to try to protect themselves from COVID-19 and not just protect themselves, but protect their children. Uh, We now know that 
what is it? The Pfizer vaccine has been approved by the FDA for children uh, over five. Did you see the videos? No. Oh, gosh. What is it? Like kids crying when they get the yes. shot or what? Oh. Well, everybody is on the news. Is that what was making you cry yesterday? No, or? everybody in the news was like, yeah, this is great. This is great. And they're always zooming in on these kids that are just like, no, <laughs> I don't want the shot. But they get a Doc McStuffins Band-Aid. I'm just telling you, it wasn't the best look for all of it. Some kids were very upset. No matter what shot it was, yeah. have been, they right, would have still been upset. They just didn't want to be filmed during that moment. Yeah, and you can't offer them a, like a lollipop as a reward because they just went trick-or-treating, so it's, <laughs> it means nothing. Uh, but what we're finding is in California, some parents it's reporting are, and I think this is for children maybe less than five, so still not able to get the vaccine, but older than you would want them to be for this. Some parents are sneaking breast milk into their children's food because they believe or hope that it will pass on the COVID-19 oh, antibodies. So you mean the mom has had the vaccine. The mom has oh. ha- either had the vaccine or maybe or has had, had the virus. COVID, sure. And so she's trying to, uh, like they're talking about putting it into their kids' cereal and oatmeal. Sure. For children uh, like uh, two years and older. They're putting it in there and uh, hoping that it will pass on the antibodies to them since they're not old enough to get vaccinated yet. Well, I I don't know about any of that. Yeah. (laughs) The CDC, to be fair, recommends uh, only breastfeeding up to one year old. Well, what was your joke going to be? Well, I was wondering if this is what Aaron Rodgers, he was doing a homeopathic treatment to get his antibodies up. The NFL wouldn't approve it. I think he might (laughs) have. What else could it be? I what know. other homeopathic treatments are there? And Hudson saying allegedly, and, this and is he, what Aaron Rodgers maybe was I saying. Don't Aaron <laughs> Rodgers doesn't have a good relationship with his family, as far as I know, mm-hmm. like his parents. I've heard they've kind of been estranged. And plus, his mom is far too old. So where is he getting the milk? I think you can buy it online. You can. Well, is that yeah. like a black market thing, no, or do they just a, sell it? I think it's just you can a thing. just get breast milk online. I think, or maybe from like they, another human being. Maybe okay, buying is the wrong term. I think they provide that for like moms who need it. Oh, really? So I think there's this whole world with that. So yeah, you probably could. Is that okay for like one baby from one mom to drink breast milk from another mom? It's not connected. I don't think. You don't think? I mean, it's more weird if you're like it'll alter their DNA or something. Twenty-five and wanting. <laughs> It's more weird with that, but I I don't know anymore than it's, that. It's just it's it's. I guess you got to do what you got to do, right? It, could it hurt anything? It's just weird. It feels weird. It is weird. But if you're a four year old and you're getting breast milk in your cereal, is that the worst? What's what's what could go wrong? What could go wrong? If you're looking for hot takes on the day's most important news stories, uh, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to The Riot on Radio U. So imagine this, Nikki. You're at a a Bob Evans, New Albany, Indiana. I love how we were talking about Cracker Barrel not Uh too long ago. Cracker Barrel, Bob Bob Evans, Evans, we're hitting it all. (laughs) What are we doing there? We're getting some food? At the Bob Evans, we've got a woman uh, who was going to the Bob Evans bathroom she sat down and she put her purse down in the bathroom. And when Which she put, you don't do. You don't push your purse down. Where do you put it? Well, you hold it. You clutch it tightly. Like you're not going to put it on the floor. It's dirty. <laughs> like, you it's love dirty. Your purse more than that. It's dirty, and you might shoot yourself. No, you. Oh, is that what happened? That's what happened to her. Well, okay. So she had a gun in her purse. She had a gun in her purse. It accidentally discharged, 
it shot her in the head. Wow. Now, oh, but for- she's okay. They yeah. say it's not life-threatening. Fortunately, she is okay. Uh, apparently, the bullet ricocheted. <gasps> so those are some strong stall doors in the bathroom. <laughs> Maybe it ricocheted off the bathroom tile. It could. Yeah, that's true also. Uh, but re- nevertheless, this woman accidentally shot shot her gun. It shot off when she put her purse down in the Bob Evans bathroom, ricocheted, hit herself in the head, and yet, somehow, she has lived to tell the tale. And uh, you're outside. Injury is not considered life-threatening. You're outside, and you just hear this noise. You're like, I'm not, I'm not going in to see. <laughs> I don't want to see what's going on Can with that. Can you imagine if you're in the stall next door? Well, the, like, the bullet's ricocheting yeah, around you. Right. Oh, no. Like, Whoa. Slow down in there. What's going on? Yeah. Need some toilet paper? Yeah. Can you, you spare something? a square? <laughs> that's all you ever hear. Yep. Well, oh, my gosh. See, that's why you're just supposed to never put your purse down. I just, you don't carry a purse. You don't know. You shouldn't put your purse down. I kind of wonder, I mean, what kind of area was this Bob Evans in? Where do you, why do you need to bring your gun in? Well, she, what do you think going to go down in a Bob Evans? Maybe she always conceals and carries. Uh-huh. But I you never thought, know. I thought if you have a conceal and carry, like, wouldn't it still be... Not, I don't know how to say, but not on. Yeah. You know, like, don't you do something to make sure it's not. You like, mean the safety? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thank you. It's a good thing we don't carry guns. I don't I know. I, one, we should have. Uh, we should have gotten Sydney in on this because she would know. She, she knows all the gun terms. She always. I I love when you talk to Sydney. If you talk to her about guns, she uses like the technical terms. At least they sound technical to me. Where she wouldn't say uh, the gun was shot. Sure. She would say the gun was discharged, uh, and that's how you know. That's how you know if it's a gun. Uh, somebody expert. who knows things about guns, because we would just say shot. And but in this story, because it's written by somebody who actually has to be accurate. And if it's Sydney, who's a gun aficionado. Yeah, it's discharged. The gun is discharged. So she discharged. I just still. It's just. I guess if you Some have people a, carry it around, yeah, all if you the just time. have it all the time. I just can't picture like maybe just for the Bob Evans outing, you leave it behind. Leave it behind. I don't know. And where where do you feel safer than a Bob Evans? Yeah, but we haven't been, so we don't know. Yeah, well, this is on the the Kentucky Indiana border, I think. So, I mean, it could be a whole different world. It's those a tough kind crowd of Bob, at Evans. Bob Evans nowadays, yeah. or maybe crowd. she was just, uh, you know, she just really wants to make sure they get her order right. I, but I thought with like give me the rotisserie people, chicken the way I asked. I want the whole thing. When it's a concealed thing, you're supposed to be quiet about it. So maybe <laughs> just something was wrong. It does not say if she's in trouble for having the gun. Yeah, uh, it just said that she thankfully is um, going to be okay. That it was not life threatening. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's it would insult, add insult to injury if she for some reason she gets charged with something. She gets well, charged after she discharged. In multiple ways. I think, though, sometimes we need to learn a lesson yeah. if we were doing it wrong. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, but it was just one more thing, you know? She already got shot in the head. Isn't that punishment enough? Well, they wait till she heals up, and yeah. then they go, they go talk to her. You might be thinking that this won't be quite as bad the second time around. Well, you'd be greatly mistaken. We're listening to the Worst of the Riot podcast. Isaiah, uh, you shared this story. Would you like to uh, share this? Your findings with the class here. I'm a. Uh, I'm impartial. No, I am partial on this subject. Uh, so I can't be uh, a neutral party. Oh, because you met your wife with a dating app. I did. Yeah. I did. No way. Yeah. And, really? Yeah, I did. I've I've never used a dating app. What? 
I, I wouldn't even well, really know how to get, get around it. With you, you, you just say, probably walk out the door. And he you, doesn't what? need to. I just, I've never used one. I've never downloaded one. I, I don't even you know You never had me to, unlike me. Hey, <laughs> so what this what the study finds here is that if you've used a dating app, you might be in trouble. Yeah. Because it says there's a higher rate of people who have used a dating app and gotten married to the person they met, the higher rate of divorce. Which isn't what Hudson wants to hear this morning. No, I do not. I do not. <laughs> they say that if you found your significant other uh, with a dating app, you there's a higher chance that 12% of couples uh, get divorced within the first three years of marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, we beat the to, odds because we've already <laughs> there we've you made go. It past three years. <laughs> compared to if you just surveyed, you know, like people who've been just married three years yeah. but didn't meet that way, that's normally at 2%. Yeah, so uh, that's, that's not good news for the dating app life. I've heard uh, theorizing on this before that if you use a dating app, you treat dating, you, are, you have the tendency to potentially treat dating more as you're always looking for the next upgrade kind of thing because oh. you always know you just go on the dating app and there's more people out sure. there. Yeah. There's always somebody. So people that if you meet somebody on a dating app and you, no matter how well the relationship is going, you might have a tendency to go back, especially during a rough patch. And be like, well, there's always someone else out there on the dating app, so I'm just going to start flipping through again. Start swiping again. Yeah. yeah. So they just always go back to it. They find, though, that people breaking up and stuff, um, if you got together in school, there's about an 8% chance, 7% if you met at work. So it seems like breaking up is still everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it happens to the best of us. I, know. I always fa- Do you know the dating, uh, no, what do they say? The divorce rate is like 50%, right? Mm. I always thought. If it's 50%, why don't you just marry someone, divorce them, and then just get married the second time? Then you're oh, good so to go. Oh, less? Yeah. I don't know. Just get I don't know that's how it works. works. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, like, I, most of my friends are still together, uh-huh. but I remember the one when they they broke up after uh, three months. Oh, yeah? After the big day. Did they meet on a dating no. app? No. And it was just like, dude, why'd you guys? <laughs> why'd you go through all that? <laughs> and I, I was so I was so bad. I was like, I got you a present. <laughs> I got you a gift and yes. everything. I want a refund. <laughs> I know. Give it back. But it's I'm like, not giving back the food that I ate yeah, during no. the reception. Well, they just say that, you know, from that, it might be... Uh, just something to know. Maybe yeah. you just need to be uh, extra sure mm. if you're, well, you know, you should be extra sure anyways, but maybe have one more ounce of uh, of caution before you marry somebody, especially off of a dating app. That's good. Good advice from us. That's Hudson. great yeah. advice. Good yeah. Advice. Maybe just be extra sure. Like, I don't know. Maybe just be a little bit more sure and then it might work out. <laughs> And if you're you're together with someone, why don't you make an effort to decide that everybody then removes the dating apps from their phones? Because you don't need to go back and meet anybody else. No, you do not. (laughs) There we go. Relationship advice. That's enough of that. For more Riot content, head to riot.radiou.com. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Cybercrime is on the rise and digital security is more important than ever. Sophos Home Antivirus will protect you against malware and viruses such as keyloggers from stealing your personal information while you shop online this season. Get protected and shop safely online this holiday season with Sophos Home. 
Visit Sophos.com slash home to learn more and get 25% off. That's Sophos, S-O-P-H-O-S dot com slash home. Cybercrime is on the rise and digital security is more important than ever. Sophos Home Antivirus will protect you against malware and viruses such as keyloggers from stealing your personal information while you shop online this season. Get protected and shop safely online this holiday season with Sophos Home. Visit Sophos.com slash home to learn more and get 25% off. That's Sophos, S-O-P-H-O-S dot com slash home. Hey, what's up? So, Avalanche. Let's talk about it. What's an avalanche? The snow comes down real fast, fierce, gains momentum. But I'm not talking about the natural disaster. Or if it's not really a disaster, I guess, if no one's around. But anyways, Avalanche, what is it? You've heard about it. Now you're going to hear some more. It's an open source platform for launching decentralized finance applications, right? DeFi. That's what you want. Developers who build on Avalanche can easily create powerful, reliable, secure applications and custom blockchain networks with complex rule sets or build an existing private or public subnet, right? I think what you should do right now is stop what you're doing. Even if it's listening to this podcast, stop, pull over, Go to the gas station if you need to. Go to a subway. There's a subway like everywhere. There's always a subway. All right. All right. There's always a Kroger. Just stop in a parking lot somewhere. Go to avalabs.org to learn more. All right. Stop. Go to avalabs. That's A-V-A labs. L-A-B-S dot org. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to Hashing It Out, a podcast where we talk to the tech innovators behind blockchain infrastructure and decentralized networks. We dive into the weeds to get at why and how people build this technology and the problems they face along the way. Come listen and learn from the best in the business so you can join their ranks. Welcome back to Hashing It Out. I'm your host, Dr. Corey Petty. Today's co-host is going to be Dean Eichenman. Say what's up, Dean. What's up, Dean? There's Mr. Dean, so you know his voice. And today we're interviewing Fetch AI, Toby Simpson, which is the COO of Fetch. Uh, Dive a little more into uh, what AI is and how it could potentially help the blockchain industry or how those two technologies fit in together. Toby, why don't you do the normal thing and give us an introduction as to kind of who you are, where you came from, and... um, a quick overview of kind of what Fetch AI is and what it's trying to do. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm I'm Toby. I'm co-founder and COO of Fetch. Um, in various previous lives, I was involved heavily in computer games production and design. Um, and this is how I got to learn all about the dangers and evils of software complexity and uh, different approaches to dealing with it. And that set in, in motion a long path through various different approaches to, to managing all of that. Um, AI, artificial life, uh, and some very other very interesting things before I ended up uh, at blockchain looking at how that can act as a mechanism for providing huge scale in these systems. I'm curious about that. Like, at what what point you have, like, I guess, 
professionalism and the concepts of kind of AI, what it's used for, how it's used, where the bottlenecks are, what part of blockchain do you think marries well with this? Why is it, why is it something useful to bring in and try and use these technologies together? Well, that's actually a very interesting um, perspective. It took me a while to fully appreciate what, what this is all about. One of the things I was doing back in the 2000s was building massively multiplayer online games. I was using an agent-based approach to doing that to give me huge scale. Um, but one of the things that I couldn't fix was how would I provide integrity in a network that was effectively peer-to-peer -peer as opposed to client-server. So even though I was able to build software that would scale in a linear fashion, there's only so much in the way of CPUs and memory that you could throw at it at the time to give you that linear scale. Eventually, you just run out of computing power and that would be the end of the line. Now, if you make that a peer-to-peer -peer network, then you've got big trust issues um, because you can't create an incentive mechanism where it is more profitable and productive for people to be honest than dishonest. Uh, and you can't get the kind of scale and bring on board machines and have them go in and out. Uh, without that hugely affecting the system that you're building. And what occurred to us, uh, my uh, uh, fellow co-founder and I, when we were looking at how we would solve the problem of bringing the entire economy to life, so how would we create autonomous economic agents at everything? IoT devices, data, people, services, you name it, we'd create one of these. You're looking at populations in, in, in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of these things, uh, and, and scale will be a problem. Uh, and then we worked out that in fact, uh, when you combine um, AI, when you combine this agent-based approach, and when you, you throw in blockchain to this as well, you can create a network or effectively a digital world that can be as large as you want, and you can keep making it bigger by adding more machines. And you've got a fundamental incentive mechanism that underlies all of this, that encourages people on average to be honest rather than dishonest. Uh, and that creates that environment where you can keep making this world bigger to take into account the kind of things that you want to throw at it. When you say agent-based approach, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, no, this is a this is part of the journey, I guess. I took um, back in back in the early '90s, writing computer games on the Commodore Amiga, and uh, pretty much drowning under 100,000 lines of 68,000 uh, assembly language, and beginning to wonder whether or not I was ever going to ship the product. Uh, and in, in the end, the very moment that it worked and didn't fall apart, we got that on a disc and on a bike and to the duplicators um, very, very quickly indeed. On the basis that if you touch it anywhere, it would fall apart. And that was because the, the approach that I was taking was, I see a problem, I write software to solve that problem. And that's a very top-down approach. It's a very human approach, I might add, mm -hmm. because we do like to know the problem that we're solving. It's not a natural position for human beings to put in place the components that will allow the problem to solve itself. And I got to learn about this, seeing uh, a colleague of mine building um, these worlds where he made all of the individual components, all the individual characters wandering around their own autonomous unit, he called them autonomous um, agents. Um, and they would go around doing their job. Now, in, in a medieval type world, if uh, you killed all the people that were dealing with burying everybody, then suddenly all the bodies would pile up. So what you did had consequences. But the most interesting thing was you didn't have to script those consequences in advance of them happening. It's like Lego. Um, nobody at Lego needs to know what you're going to build with it in order for you to be able to build it. 
Uh, and, and one of the advantages of this approach is you end up effectively with a large population of very simple things rather than a smaller population of very big complicated things. Um, and you allow them to solve the problems themselves. So it's very, very scalable, it's very reliable um, because you're no longer dealing in, in vast amounts of software, you're dealing in smaller amounts of software, so it's easier to make it hold itself together. Um, and it becomes very flexible. This is the kind of thing that can adapt itself in, in, in real time. And that agent-based approach uh, serves um, large complicated systems very, very well. Uh, and when we came to, to looking at Fetch, um, we were thinking about um, how we would get that scale. Uh, we changed them from just autonomous agents into autonomous economic agents and allowed these agents effectively to negotiate and trade with each other and built this large-scale decentralized world in which they can find each other and then talk to each other. And of course, various aspects of, of, of AI are part of, of that search and discovery process, which is very, very exciting. Um, but it means then that the problems that are potentially solved, you don't have to know about in advance of bumping into them. And that's a really, really exciting way of, of, of making things happen. So bringing this entire thing together, uh, what's like the main use case you see Fetch uh, being used for? Like just for our listeners and for me to like kind of understand really what the vision is of Fetch. Anything that involves spinning a large number of plates is potentially something that Fetch technology can do. Uh, and that is a very important part of all of our lives. So transport and mobility is a very, very good example. Um, it's a good example because there's an enormous number of moving parts. Um, and they're very, very difficult to coordinate. And, and human beings, uh, we, we allow a lot of hassle to go over us without complaining. But the reality is conducting that orchestra of pieces is actually really difficult to do. Uh, and when you think about it, if you conduct, uh, if you're going through any large scale journey um, uh, across the world or even down the street, the number of things that you have to worry about in order to be able to get from A to B without something going wrong is, is enormous. And the responsibility for worrying about all of those things lies very, very squarely on your shoulders. Um, now, of course, what you don't have um, and, and what I don't have is an army of personal assistants who are going out in front of me solving all the problems before I get to them, uh, effectively rolling out the red carpet for me. But when you start looking at this autonomous economic agent approach, well, suddenly everybody has this because these are digital entities that are acting on their own behalf, as well as on behalf of what they represent. They're able to talk to other digital entities in order to solve problems. So they can come to you with a solution um, before you even know that you've got a problem to solve. You, uh, you mentioned the, the term um, autonomous economic agents. I, in the past, have referred to smart contracts as that. that they, that's a better name for smart contracts than the Ethereum blockchain. But what you're referring to is something different uh, based on... I would say scale. Can you kind of, at least I think you are. Can you, can you, can you, yeah. First, I mean, like, do you, do you believe that's a, that's an appropriate description of what smart, smart contracts are on the Ethereum blockchain? And how are what you're talking about different from that? Well, um, of course, interestingly, smart contracts, I mean, I, I, lots of people are trying to come up with better names for them because, because they're not necessarily particularly very smart or very contract looking, um, depending on what perspective you, you look at them from. Um, but and, and certainly very large amounts of code in there would be economically unviable to operate. 
uh, and they're not autonomous in that they can take decisions without something going on um, in the outside world. Now, there are services and bits and pieces that are attached to that that allow some degree of autonomy to be achieved. But unless they're interacted with, they don't particularly do anything. Mm -hmm. So what you can't do is have them actively going around looking for um, potential um, people who might want to take the value that they have. Exactly. Uh, And and the thing about autonomous economic agents, from, from my perspective, is that these things act on their own behalf. Now, I mean, we live in a, an extremely wasteful environment, um, and data is is one of the grandest examples of that, of course. Um, in that, the amount of data that's out there that might be useful is vast, but of course, uh, you can't incorporate it because you don't know it's there, and you wouldn't know where to find it anyway, even if you did know it was there. Um, and what we uh, were looking at is, well, actually, if you could attach an autonomous economic agent to all of these data items, then they could effectively go out and sell themselves. They could go looking for um, other agents that might want that data and then get into a negotiation and potentially a transaction as a result of that. Uh, and I, I got into a, a very interesting conversation with somebody who runs a large scale um, uh, um a telecoms network in Southeast Asia who's saying that, well, uh, because of data protection uh, uh, laws, they're collecting a huge amount of data every day. But of course, 30 days later, it has to be deleted mm-hmm. in, the, in, in a lot of cases. And that's potentially it's, it's several petabytes a day of data that's coming and going and never getting used because the cost to exploit it exceeds its value. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if you can effectively cheaply, if not at almost zero cost, attach agents to all of this data and they can go out looking for um, uh, possible uh, places where that could deliver value, then that changes the economics of that entirely. Okay. Um, because then alongside, alongside your existing uh, mechanisms, you've now got all of these um, autonomous economic agents rushing around finding people who might want that data. Uh, now that works across the economy, which is also um, wasteful in other ways as well. Um, empty hotel rooms, uh, last minute cancellations causing things to, to go unfilled, uh, shipping containers that aren't as occupied as they should be, uh, not the most effective routing and usage of energy. Uh, and when you start boiling these down to sort of a hyper-local approach of having these agents uh, negotiating with each other to get this stuff done, then you're potentially looking at something very, very interesting. You're trying to make a lot more out of what we already have, uh, which is uh, pretty good from an efficiency perspective as well. So let's talk about the architecture here. Like, how do how, how do you make these agents, and then how do they how do they fit into a blockchain? Okay, so um, there's a bunch of bits and pieces involved. Yeah. Um, the we've got the uh, agent framework that we've built that allows people to uh, create these agents, uh, and that gets easier and easier to use all the time. Um, and there's going to be visual tools for that as well, because what we want to be able to do is make it so, I mean, for, 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 for those, for those of us who've used scratch, for example, as a drag and drop, um, mm-hmm. instant programming language, um, seeing or watching children build, uh, amazing things out of that very, very quickly is, is incredible to watch. And, and it just goes to show that actually what is usually a very complicated, um, programming task can be broken down into components that are easy to use. We want to do this, the same thing with, um, agent building. Um, so that anybody who's got a data source or something that they want to potentially um, uh, get out there and, and, and monetize can do so very easily with a drag and drop. So that's the agent framework and the associated tools. 
Um, on top of that, we've got this thing we call the Open Economic Framework, which acts as a decentralized search and discovery. Um, this is where agents connect in order to be able to find each other. Um, there's a number of ways they can do that. One of the very interesting ways they can do that, other than geographical search, like I am here, what's around me, um, is uh, these semantic searches, which is a, a great application of, of, of AI, where you use dimensional reduction um, to uh, effectively position um, a description of yourself uh, in and amongst everybody else's descriptions. Mm -hmm. And of course, it turns out that uh, if you are relatively near in this strange semantic space to somebody else, the chances are you're, you're related. Um, this this can be seen. Um, this is this is seen in a lot of um, um, AI applications for trying to do, for example, recognizing characters that are drawn. Um, you build a model from it, do a dimensional reduction, and then if it's near to um, the key one that you want, then it probably is that one. Um, so that gives you a semantic and a geographic search, uh, and that's um, active uh, or can be active as well as passive. Um, but of course, all of that involves computing time. Um, and uh, under, underneath all of that, uh, you also need to be able to transact. These, these agents need to be able to negotiate with each other and then they need to transact. And that's where um, the blockchain comes in because that provides, of course, uh, the method by which those transactions can take place. Um, but also it provides um, the underlying incentive mechanism for people to scale and build that network and provide that search and discovery um, system because those high computational load tasks, particularly ones relating to um, AI, uh, are going to cost and they, they, they cost in, in tokens in order to do that. Okay, so we have, let me try and rephrase that a little bit or re repeat it back to you. Uh, you have a framework for creating autonomous agents. We'll say that's, that, and, and you're working on making yep. that put drag and drop so that people can make agents based on whatever criteria they have that that's relatively easy to use and they can deploy somewhere. That somewhere is, is a market in which they can discover each other, either geographically or through some semantic location, which is like, you know, I do this, 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 what are other things that do something similar? And then those things are able to transact with each other on some blockchain, uh, which provides transaction and verification and so on and so forth. What is that blockchain and how does it work? And who are the agents that are, okay. that are, that are, uh, operating on it and doing some type of consensus? Okay. So we've, um, got, uh, out there at the moment, we've got, uh, an existing mainnet and we've got a new one coming up um, early next year. Uh, and we're about to be running a whole bunch of, uh, incentivized test nets. Funnily enough, the first one starting tomorrow. Um, where we're unrolling um, all of the key technology pieces that, that lead to a position where all of those systems are actually um, working uh, in their entirety for the first time. Um, so uh, the, the blockchain is very tightly integrated with the agent framework. Um, that's been a key part of this right from, from the beginning, want people to be able to fire up these agents and, and allow them to work um, straight away. Uh, we, it is a uh, proof of stake um consensus mechanism um and we're we've got a sort of a unique approach to this uh related to uh, we call it minimum agency um consensus to avoid those those issues where too much responsibility clumps into too fewer people because that's a very important thing obviously with the agents which is the key thing that we're enabling with this um it's it's important that these agents are, are able to be able to uh, transact at quite a high rate 
um, and one of the reasons why um, it's not possible for, for these agents to, to live on a network like Ethereum at the moment is that if you've got many, many thousands, if not tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of agents all doing their work, um, then there are a lot of transactions going on and they're potentially quite low value transactions as well. Um, so if you're buying up um, lots of weather information from uh, um, uh, surrounding sensors, then you're not going to be paying a huge amount for that. So it's quite important that the transaction costs um, uh, scale with that too, so that all of these, these agents can, can get their work done. So, so it's a combination of technologies effectively in order to be able to deliver this. Uh, and you know, there are great, great shoulders to stand on out there um, with, with all of this stuff. Um, and smart contracts are a very important part of an agent's work um, for what we've been building, for example, with our decentralized delivery network, uh, where we, we refer to that as delivering people, pizzas and packages um, instead of individual siloed businesses. Why shouldn't you be able to uh, coordinate delivery of everything, but without a centralized dating agency to do that? Um, that uh, uses smart contracts throughout its process to handle um, escrow for uh, a transfer of information across, but also verification and dispute resolution. Um, so all of these key pieces of technologies uh, and been able to operate them in an entirely decentralized way are important for building these large scale um, agent based applications um, because the, the DDN wouldn't work without them. Uh, and that's one of the things that we've been particularly excited to to be building and, and demonstrating to people relatively recently uh, and got some very exciting stuff coming up from that um, in, in November. So I assume you're familiar with um, SingularityNet. Uh, if you aren't, that's fine. But if you are, then my main question would be, what makes this uh, different than something like SingularityNet, which is quite an OG crypto project that I believe did some, or from what it sounds like, did something quite similar to what you guys are working on? Um, which aspects of that uh, are you, you thinking are similar? The entire thing just seems, I'm, I'm not All right. the most uh, in-depth person when it comes to similar. No, that's fair enough. Um, the, the, the autonomous economic agents perspective that we're taking is, uh, a, a, there are a lot of people who are looking at this from a data or an AI marketplace perspective. Yeah, that, I think um, that's right. Um, and, and, you know, that's, 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 that's an extremely important thing to be able to do. You know, if lots of people have different aspects of um, AI and machine learning, and you want to be able to connect them together effectively so they can make uses of the services that they have, um, then, then that's a very important service to provide. Um, and of course, we can do all of that with our autonomous economic agents as well, because they can provide those AI services and they can find each other on, on the network. Um, that, that we have either by approximation through the semantic searches or geographically to find things that can um, crunch numbers that are, uh, are relevant to you in, in, in whatever context that you want. Um, but the, the actual approach of building these autonomous economic agents and having them actively deliver their value uh, and, and go out there and find each other and trade, negotiate and build bigger applications out of each other uh, is... Uh, as far as we're aware at the moment, uh, unique to the Fetch AI project. Okay. I'm looking at, I'm curious about the I agents. would add one. Uh, sorry, go ahead, continue. Yeah, I was gonna say, I would add one thing on, the, on that one incidentally, that, um, I mean, this is, this is one of the things that's really important about this space, that uh, none of these things operate in isolation. Uh, and as we've discovered, blockchain isn't a thing 
all by itself. It gets very exciting when you start combining it with other technologies like, like AI and um, some of the other cryptographic technologies for verifiable credentials and other bits and pieces. It's a combination exercise, and there are a huge number of different applications that can be built out of these technologies when you arrange them in different ways. And it's not necessarily a case of saying it's this one or that one. Um, it's a case of interoperability and allowing the unique functionality and the unique abilities of all of these different projects to be able to interact with each other in a meaningful way. Um, agents, for example, can act as gateways. They can act as gateways between networks, gateways between the inside world and the outside world uh, to allow all of those features to be incorporated into agent-based applications. Uh, and, and that kind of thing is also very exciting. And I think we're beginning to see a lot more of this going on right now. And I'm very excited by that uh, as, as more of us are collaborating to see how we can combine the things that we have in order to build interesting new um, technologies or capabilities. I couldn't agree more with that statement in terms of um, kind of the combination of these, what I would consider exponential technologies and what new things we can build. Uh, uh, either like building things better than they previously are or, compl or, or completely new things that could have been built previously because we didn't have the technology. Um, mm. what I, and, and, I, and I like that you're exploring the space, what I, but I'm, I'm also very concerned when people start doing that. Um, if they're not learning from the key insights of what these technologies should be used for, or what they're providing. And so like I, when I look at the blockchain in, in like, integrations into projects, uh, sometimes it's, it seems unnecessary. In my opinion, a blockchain is basically useful for providing distributed trust, uh, and allows for, and then like, allows for features like, uh, digital scarcity and ownership transfer of agents on that, on that blockchain, but how that trust is created based on the actors who were participating in consensus is incredibly subtle and yes. scaling problems associated with um, what they're coming into consensus with and uh, how those agents who are doing consensus need to keep track of the stuff as well as maintain data availability of the entire blockchain for those who aren't participating in consensus is also quite subtle. And we're not seeing that, be, like we're not seeing the solutions to those problems until only recently as we've seen some of the blockchain uh, the larger blockchain projects start to fill up in capacity and then have to deal with this stuff. I, so my question is like, who are the participants on the blockchain level? Why are they participating? And the kind of like, what types of things they need to keep track of? And do you see those becoming a problem later on down the line? Well, firstly, I, I, uh, I agree on a couple of, um, uh, well, on, on more than one level with, with what you've just been saying. Um, but one point there is that you know, obviously, blockchain has a particular um, application that, that we all collectively perceive and understand, and uh, it, the way in which that uh, um, is applied is is indeed very subtle in some cases. And it's one of those things that with all of those individual um, parties involved, uh, um, a very delicate incentive mechanism, that it's easier to upset it than it is to just uh, make it work better. If it was possible, as we all know, if it was possible just to increase the speed of something by 100 times uh, very quickly, uh, people would have done it. Um, and uh, there, there is something um, uh, uniquely workable about um, proof of work, with the exception of the uh, energy costs about it, um, that's just very hard to argue with. Um, and it, it does the job, it does exactly what it says it's going to do, uh, and it works reliably. 
um, and, and when you start looking, and we've seen this with different proof of stake um, mechanisms, that's actually much harder to get right. And people are exploring a bunch of different mechanisms for doing that. And I'm not sure all of the mechanisms or all of the answers have been dug out at this point. Uh, and people are still discussing um, uh, some of those those issues involved. And it's very interesting to watch that that play out. And I'm pretty sure that collectively we're right at the beginning of that journey and certainly nowhere near the end of it. Mm. Um, and an understanding um, the economics in particular of what goes on with who's incentivized to do what, why and when uh, is, is, is also a complexity. I'll pick up on the point where you talked about um, transferable um, uh, individual assets, and I guess that's a reference to non-fungible tokens as an example of that. And one of the things that blockchain does, that's actually very, very important for what we're doing, because certainly if you look at the decentralized delivery network, agents that represent um, hotels, for example, or um, uh, trains or planes or automobiles are faced with seats and rooms um, that uh, you need to be able to establish that you've got ownership of that particular thing that represents that thing on that day at that time. Uh, and that's a uh, an asset that you need to be able to cryptographically prove that you're entitled to it. And potentially that asset needs to be transferred to somebody else. Uh, and doing that in a centralized way is very dangerous. Doing that on a blockchain way is um, open and it's self-service trust for everybody involved. Also, it's cryptographically unprovable that those things actually happened. Um, so uh, the, the blockchain isn't just uh, something that one bolts on for the sake of doing so. Uh, there are a bunch of different reasons why its unique capabilities, such as uh, um, transfer of ownership of uh, unique items and assets, digital assets or otherwise, ones that represent real ones, is extremely important. At Georgia Power, we're investing in infrastructure to ensure a more resilient power grid creating a balanced mix of hydro, solar, and nuclear energy, all while installing high-speed EV charging stations across the state and keeping your bill well below the national average. Because we know that the carbon-free energy Georgia needs to prosper tomorrow will come from the tireless energy we put in our communities today. Georgia Power, powering tomorrow, today. Um, and when you've got a network like that, obviously the incentives need to be in place to ensure that people actually uh, operate uh, all of those component parts. Uh, and that is uh, an, another aspect of trying to create something like this and, and making it work. And, and I guess your your question, which is, uh, what are the what are the reasons why everybody would be involved in in doing all of these things, uh, is is a very broad question. But um, you've got the transaction fees and you've got the um, consensus rewards for uh, providing the raw integrity of that network. You've got the fees from operations of all of the smart contracts. You've got the uh, fees for operating the decentralized search and discovery mechanism. Um, and it's one of those things where the more agents that want to be connected to the network, the more demand there is for the search and discovery system, because any one given search and discovery node is only capable of servicing a certain number of agents. Um, so uh, rather interestingly, certainly from the models that we produced, it shows that there is an incentive for further decentralization. Um, so you might, for example, start out with a search and discovery node representing all of London, and then um, the demand around um, the main airport uh, or main airports becomes high and someone creates another one to service agents that are, for example, connected to London Heathrow Airport, or someone might do the same thing for JFK. Um, and that creates a demand 
um, because there um, is a value for doing so and the, the rewards for setting up and operating those things um, exceeds the cost of doing so. It's a complex interplay, as, 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 as we all know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I don't think anybody has all of, of the answers. Um, and particularly when you're doing something that's potentially new, where we've got an additional customer involved here, which are the agents themselves, and also an additional layer to the network, which is the search and discovery system. So walk me through, uh, say I want to participate, right? I would, I would like to participate at the, at the base layer. I don't care about making agents. I would like to serve the agents by running some hardware somewhere. What are the, what are the resource constraints? What do I need to do? What do I need to have? And in order to like participate at the base layer in terms of like maybe like providing data for these agents or uh, participating in consensus, like you, you said, you're rolling out test nets. If I would like to participate yes. in this, can you help me figure out what I need to do in order to do so? We certainly can. Um, so if, if you're not interested in operating agents, um, then one aspect of that is operating search and discovery nodes. And this is something that uh, we're going to be very excited to continue rolling out over the coming months, where more and more of these nodes um, are there servicing agents in particular areas. The uh, computational requirements to run one of those is actually very, very low indeed. Uh, it's the kind of thing that you can just leave ticking around um, on, on a computer somewhere, providing a service to um, local agents at the, at the area or subject area that you declare. Obviously, operating full full network nodes and, and participating in, in, in consensus uh, requires a little bit more computing power, um, but it's very, very important that that is straightforward for people to take part in as well. So you've got those that are operating the fundamental network, you've got those that are operating the um, search and discovery nodes, uh, and you've got those who are operating the agents. And actually uh, building and deploying these agents is relatively straightforward. And uh, as we increase the language options, uh, we, we, we expect people, and we're already building supply chain stuff on Raspberry Pis, for example, we expect people to be able to run large numbers of agents on relatively small devices, um, which, which sit there and deliver their value, um, having been actively um, discovered or then um, just sitting there and waiting for people to, to, to find them. Um, so, so that's a relatively low cost and low effort thing to be able to do. Um, because as, as, as we all know, even from user interface experience, every single step that you put in the way, um, you lose people. I mean, you start with 100 people going in, two people coming out the other side. Um, it's about making this uh, really easy, and it's about making adoption of this kind of technology something that operates non-destructively in parallel to existing um, um, business systems. And certainly that's one of the things that we've discovered when I'm um, talking to people about uh, integrating autonomous economic agents into existing systems. Uh, it has to operate in parallel with what they have um, and not uh, cause it to be um, completely ripped out and replaced. It's about finding additional value and then figuring out how they can optimize those systems using this new technology. So there's lots of ways to participate. Uh, and the incentivized um, test nets is a journey to the mainnet version two, where we're um, focusing on different areas of the technology as we go through that uh, and uh, encouraging um, people to get involved, uh, incentivizing that process. Um, and the first round of all of that is uh, um, 
heavily uh, focused on autonomous economic agents. It's a key part of, of, of the Fetch thing, but we'll also feature some stuff relating to governance um, and how uh, you make uh, decentralized governance work without involving everybody in every decision. So there's lots of interesting aspects of that um, that we're seeing discussed at the moment uh, in, in, in the community. Yeah, I saw a few of your, I didn't get a chance to read them, but I was looking at the titles and abstracts of some of the publications you've had as a company on a lot of this stuff. And it seems like um, you've done some real work here in terms of looking at some of the problems or constraints of how you're building this together and what might be viable solutions. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's right. Um, it's when you, when you've got a system with, with it, 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 well, to a certain extent, it's ironic when I talk about fetch, um, solving problems involving lots of moving parts when, when actually, um, it's one collection of moving parts itself. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things where you have to think about this stuff because when you're, when you're adding stuff, um, to all of this, such as the, the agent economy and the search and discovery economy, uh, then it's 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 something that multiplies not not adds um so you know you add all these new things and the economic complexities and and some of the other um, issues of making all this stuff hold together grow very very rapidly indeed um and it, it's extremely important to to do the legwork on on figuring that out um and uh, yeah it's very exciting to get to a point where we've done enough of the legwork to actually deliver the working system um and and certainly over the the last um, half a year in particular, we've been building an increasingly large number of these agent applications and, and running them on our, our network and seeing them work and do their stuff. Um, from, from the delivery network to uh, um, a mechanism that we built to create an augmented reality for self-driving cars, um, stuff that we've done in supply chains and energy um, it is all um, uh, stuff that's possible now that we couldn't have done a year ago. Um, and and part of the, the this key journey now is introducing all of these technologies to a broader audience and allowing uh, people to to see what, what they can build and how they can take part in, in this new system. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Um, and, and doing it in audio format, especially for those who are listening, is not uh, very easy. So I'm trying to figure out how I can uh, ask a question that helps them get a mental idea of how data flows throughout the system. So, uh, for, for, to preference this, I did a IOT, probably the first IOT, um, proof of concept in, on Ethereum a lot of years ago, uh, where, uh, we would deploy basically, um, a device that captured environmental data around it and then mm. encapsulate that and send it back to a smart contract, which logged it um, and allowed for another system to basically perform checks and balances on that environmental data uh, and alert based on various criteria given by the user. Uh, but that was a relatively, relatively simple setup, right? You have, you have this thing that captures data on some IoT device. It broadcasts it. As, as, a, as a transaction, it gets accepted and then it logs it. So it's, and then someone just tracks all that stuff and alerts based on certain criteria. Um, there's no, there's no marketplace there, none of that stuff. So I'm like, where does the data come from for these autonomous agents? 
How are they cap? How are they doing things? How are they munching mm. that data? Where are they sending it? And who's consuming it? And I, I imagine the marketplace is like, or that the autonomous agent is like, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm transforming things. And this is the insight that I'm providing based on that information in some standard language, your semantic space. I think that's what you call it. And you have a marketplace for things that are like, I want that. I'm going to use it for this. And then you have this composability of building larger um, insight based on a lot of small pieces doing that type of stuff. Mm. And that's all done transactionally through the blockchain on like how they communicate with each other and transact value. Is that an overall picture of what you're doing or have I, have I, have I, that was, have I missed no, that, that was, okay. No, that was a, that was a, that was a very good picture of it. Um, but as well as, but, but it also it's a marketplace that works two ways. It's it's not um, uh, out there saying I've got this, you might want it. In a lot of cases, stuff comes to you and says, I think, given what you're interested in, you'll like this. Okay, okay, that's so part of the that's part of the AI process. It's like not only am I just right, but blindly throwing things out and someone can consume it, I'm actually actively looking and saying you may want this too. Yes, uh, and and you're able to do that, and then. Um, so that means that agents that want something are able to sit there and wait potentially for uh, other agents to come along and say, well, given your profile, I think you want this. Um, that's and that's, yes. And what's really interesting about that is the mechanisms that do that delivery. If as a result of an introduction, a transaction takes place, then um, the, the underlying AI can effectively, it's a reinforcement learning system. The underlying AI can, can learn that that was a successful introduction. Because you've got some problems with, uh, as I was referring to earlier, this dimensional reduction thing. You know, if you flatten the planet Earth down to a, a, a disk, um, Sydney is a lot closer to London than it should be. Mm. Um, now, that's a mistake. Now, if you start making introductions based on that, they don't result in transactions. And therefore, those connections can be eliminated quite quickly as a result of um, uh, reinforcement learning acting on all of that. So there's lots of really interesting ways that this system can adapt itself in order to ensure that the right thing connects to the right thing. But it is that active stuff that, that's a key part of it. Now the agents themselves, I mean, I, I think of them as little, little digital life forms um, or uh, little computers in their own right. They're the ones that collect their data. And they're the ones that hold it and they describe what it is that they have um, so that the search and discovery system can introduce them to other agents or other agents can find them based on that. Um, so the data lives there. And then when, when the agents introduce to each other, there is an underlying agent um, framework based peer to peer network that allows them to securely talk to each other, negotiate and then um, transact. That's interesting. So the data lives with the agents. Um, there's an active and a passive approach to finding other agents to work with. Um, that uh, is, is a key part of making all of this work uh, because, because you can do very, very low cost um, agents that represent data and just create them. All they need to do is advertise what they have. Uh, and then if there's any potential matches, they'll have that introduction made uh, automatically. And that's, that's reinforced uh, and that's great... by economically viable transactions as opposed to just yes, something economically that viable work. yeah that's right and that's um why we get in um people that are a lot smarter than me <laughs> to to work out the underlying economics of all of this as well to build these models i mean you've seen you said there's some of the papers that you've seen that, that talk about some of these things both from the economics perspective the cryptographic perspective and and, and other aspects of this 
Um, so we've had to assemble a team to make sure that, that all of that works. But of course, uh, in, in the end, uh, with any large scale decentralized system, actually building it and running it um, and creating a mechanism where these things can can effectively error correct themselves over a period of time uh, is, is another important aspect of it. Absolutely. Um, did you have something there? Yeah, I just wanted to circle it back maybe and um, mainly ask you, because you said that you guys have been working on these use cases on top of Fetch AI and you've seen some other people who are running um, agents on Raspberry Pis. What use case are you currently like most bullish about that you guys have either worked on or what are you like really hoping to see in the next year that is being built on Fetch? Um, well, I'm, I'm hoping to be surprised as well, but uh, the thing that I'm personally most excited about is a decentralized delivery network um, because it, it is one of those networks where um, as well as, as creating a mechanism for uh, connecting somebody who wants something um, uh, to uh, somebody who has it, either delivering a package or some food um, or delivering yourself, like, for example, a decentralized ride hailing type um, thing. Um, it means that others, independent people, um, can create agents that uh, provide information that is important to that network, and they can do so without the permission of anybody else and just take part. Um, so it's one of those things where the more people um, uh, take part in, in providing other information, traffic sensors, um, uh, information about signage, um, other bits of information that they can create agents and, and, and put in that network, uh, everybody benefits from from that, and likewise, all the participants in the delivery network can uh, uh, deliver information relating to uh, traffic, um, hyperlocal traffic situations, and other bits and pieces which are interesting to to others. And one of the, the things that we discovered whilst uh, building and testing all of this stuff is those agents doing their work around uh, a any given city provide a useful population of information sources because a lot of these uh, um, uh, uh, a lot of these things driving around and moving around. I mean, we walk around with um, mostly with these these mobile phones, which have an enormous amount of sensors, and you're not monetizing that information at all. Uh, but you could, and it turns out that uh, lots of little pieces of information that don't seem relevant when they're combined can become bigger pieces of information that are relevant. Uh, an example I used to give um, is that if a whole load of people on a London street suddenly put their phones away at the same time, chances are it started raining. Um, and there's an awfully large amount that you can potentially figure out from the actions of, of many. So you can get agents that buy up low value information from other people and combine it into higher value information. Uh, and, and that's where it starts getting interesting that uh, you, you start having agents attached to, to vehicles that are just running on your running on your mobile device that you're, you're carrying. And uh, people are, uh, or other agents are buying up that low value data and applying it through machine learning models and other things in order to provide other um, prediction services for where you should be at any given time in order to, to go places. Um, agents that represent different traffic zones um, and, and pollution zones and, and, and other bits and pieces like that can also contribute to uh, optimizing um, route handling and other bits and pieces along those lines. Um, so, so from that perspective, the DDN is really interesting because it solves it solves a problem, which is getting things from one place to 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 another, um, effectively. 
uh, and it allows everybody to take part and it uses a broad spread of the technology and it's a complex optimization problem that benefits from um, very very local solutions so yeah that that's that's from from my perspective personally that's the one i i'm i'm most excited about do that does a pretty good job of explaining kind of like how these pieces fit together to to provide a larger service um i'm interested in this is this may require some thought and i hope some transparency and what roadblocks you see in front of you um what what things are required to get you to the finish line to make this a success that you feel are very difficult to get over like where where do you find the difficulties in making this something that's relatively ubiquitous how do you get people involved and where is the bottleneck going to inevitably find itself like how how are you thinking about these things and what have you come up with so far yeah and and, and you're right and that 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 boils down to adoption um and and i guess i mean you know we've all seen uh seen these these kind of things existing as as, as problems and i guess one comparison i would make is the approach that um uh, facebook took to rolling out their social network as a pro as opposed to the approach that um, google took when when they did it uh, um, facebook's approach was to get a complete domination in um, one ivy league college after the other and get to the point where they had the adoption in that area so high that you couldn't not be involved otherwise you'd be missing out on absolutely everything and of mm -hmm. course it meant that advertisers thought well you know this is a no-brainer if we want to talk to people here we have to do this so it created its own business model as it went. Um, whereas if you just sort of bleed it out globally in one go, people turn up and discover they don't know anybody who's there. You never reach critical mass. And one of the problems with this, this agent-based approach is if we had a, a bunch of agents that were just in individual cities all around the world, it might be a high population, but there's not a big enough of population in any given area for it to actually be useful. That's a, there's a, there's an example case of that with, um, I think it was one of the projects I'm not sure how they're doing now, but they're rolling out like kind of distributed GPS and that's wonderful if you can get everyone to do it across the globe, to provide yeah. services. But if you can't, then you're going to have, maybe you're going to have shit service in almost everywhere and maybe a few locations that don't, uh, so yeah, you're, 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 you're absolutely right. Uh, and that's why, and this is one of the areas where, for example, the, the approach we're taking with designing the DDN is, is, is relatively, um, it lowers the risk of doing that because you introduce a network like this in a bunch of, of cities around the world. Say you go for um, London, Berlin, um, and, and a few other places, uh, then it's much easier to achieve a critical mass in a small area. Um, or a portion of that enough for it to be useful um, to a, a broader number of people than it is to to do that gradually in in a non-organized way. So certainly, when it comes to these these applications, and we're also doing stuff relating to hospitality and supply chains, um, uh, healthcare, and a bunch of other bits and pieces. It's the the approach that we're taking is to generate something that is genuinely useful to the people who are using it at the point it's deployed, but becomes more useful when more people start participating mm -hmm. um, and to, for for the incentives to exist there then for people to participate and then for as a result of that and the interesting data that's there for there to be a genuine application for acquiring the, um, that data and processing it into something that's um, higher value 
And this has uh, great use in, in in cities, for example, for for working out um, uh, a lot of a lot of these the uh, cities now are very interesting at trying to work out noise levels, pollution levels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And actually, they've got a large network of, of vehicles that are driving around where a relatively small sensor um, set would provide them with all of that information. Um, for example, looking at where uh, mobile networks have best reception um, and uh, with a relatively small sensor pack attached to um, scooters, delivery vehicles, um, uh, and uh, and so on and so forth, you can actually end up with a surprisingly large amount of data that's really useful for a planning perspective. Uh, and one of the things that we did, an actual use case that we built um, for um, uh, optimizing self-driving vehicles, sorry, not self-driving vehicles, uh, electric vehicles and battery charging, we, we produce this huge simulation of these electric cars driving across Europe. Um, and we attached agents to the vehicles and to the uh, different charging stations. And by allowing those agents to hash it out between each other, we were able to optimize journey time down by an average of 30%, which is substantial. Mm -hmm. yes, and that's because humans, yeah, humans are not good at this stuff. Um, because you know what we're like, you run until you're on fumes and then you pop in uh, and you need to fill up. What we don't do well is thinking, right, if I stop now and I don't need it, do a 20 minute fast charge while I grab a coffee, which I really need and have a, a, a rest break, um, then actually uh, that's the most effective usage of, of all of this in order to get to my destination correctly. Um, and if everybody is working that way, then you end up with an incredible optimization. Uh, and, and we did this as well with uh, solving of mazes, of course, where, where the individual agents swap the small amount of local information that they have, you end up with a global picture very, very quickly. Uh, and, and these are the kind of things where a small number of agents are able to do a useful thing. So you take those charging posts and, uh, uh, and electric vehicles. It's a relatively small population. But one of the interesting things is putting agents in those is extremely low cost to do, if not almost zero, because it's a software thing on the hardware that already exists and is capable of running it. And that would operate in parallel and uh, to everything else. So it's relatively low risk to deploy. And part of the the... The, the hill that we're climbing on all of this and is, is in trying to ensure um, that we take the pain and the risk out of uh, deploying these agents in existing infrastructure uh, in order to get to that point. So yeah, I, I would say that adoption is a problem. It's something that we've spent a, a huge amount of time thinking about. I think that we're taking a, uh, an, uh, an approach that is certainly working so far to doing it. So that's one of, of the things that, uh, uh, is 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 something that we have to uh, worry about, I guess, uh, in the, in the coming months. It's a great it's a great way to wrap up, and that's a good picture of kind of what you can be and the obstacles that it takes to get there. Uh, how can people reach out, get involved, participate, learn more? Um, uh, join our Telegram group. Go to fetch, uh, go to our fetch.ai website. That'll link you through to um, uh, docs.fetch.ai. We've got all the stuff involving incentivized test nets. Um, putting a whole pile of documentation on over the next 24 hours for that. Different ways that you can take part, um, and 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 how all that's going to work. Um, and uh, come and build. Um, as you know, when 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 new technologies appear. Um, it's uh, you know, people are often surprised by the kind of things that that um, people build on them, uh, and we think we've got some some pretty.
pretty interesting technology to work with and we are really interested to see what, what people will make of it. All right, next slide. Thanks. Thank you. keep Idaho students in classrooms, they have better physical and mental health. Help keep the student you love in school by getting them vaccinated if they're eligible. Make sure they wear a mask, frequently wash their hands, and stay home and get tested when sick. Our teachers and other school staff can also do their part by choosing to vaccinate, wearing a mask, and supporting other preventive measures. For more information on preventive measures, please visit coronavirus.idaho.gov or contact your child's school. Cybercrime is on the rise and digital security is more important than ever. Sophos Home Antivirus will protect you against malware and viruses such as keyloggers from stealing your personal information while you shop online this season. Get protected and shop safely online this holiday season with Sophos Home. Visit sophos.com slash home to learn more and get 25% off. That's Sophos, S-O-P-H-O-S dot com slash home. episode please leave us a review on itunes Eccoci qua, siamo tornati, Eccoci. siamo live giovedì, 
Big Cine Life, ciao Dani. Ciao Fabio. Come stai? Benissimo, tu? Io tutto bene, tutto bene. Oggi ci ha... Ci ha abbandonati. Ci ha abbandonati la Marti. <ride> sì, ci ha abbandonati, però dai, porteremo avanti lo stesso la nostra, la nostra trasmissione. Marti, sappi che se ci stai ascoltando te la faremo pagare. <ride> esatto, il prossimo giovedì sicuramente. Allora, oggi parleremo di gaming, giochi esatto. da tavolo, videogiochi, chi... più, sì. giochi, più giochi hai e meglio è. E abbiamo due, due ospiti. Sì, abbiamo che... Elena e Cristina davanti a noi esatto, che, che sono molto emozionate tra l'altro È vero, è vero, Pre- le presenteremo dopo con calma Adesso le facciamo mettere a, a proprio agio Sì, sì e... Ma tu Fabio sei un gamer? Io... Ti faccio una domanda proprio così, <ride> proprio Io così sì. subito Sì, Io sì, ti piace? Cioè allora, mh, ho giocato tanto con i giochi da tavolo Ok Tipo i, i più classici, Monopoli, eh, Risico Uh, adesso non I mi classici vengono. proprio sì, Scarabeo Adesso sì. alcuni mi vengono e I vari tabù Tutti quei giochi lì no? e, Però anche a livello di, di videogiochi Quindi Playstation tutti, Cioè da, 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 buon, da buon maschio Certo diciamo così. Ovviamente Da ragazzino anche Adesso un po' meno Però da ragazzino Magari passavo le, le giornate Davanti, davanti alle console ah, Anche bene. se non è, non è proprio salutare però Sì no diciamo che non è proprio una cosa Ognuno, ognuno ha i suoi vizi Ma dai. certo, ovviamente, ovviamente Però dai, sei una persona anche che esce, che fa sì, anche sì, altro Sì, sì, no, quello, ti... su quello non, non c'è da preoccuparsi Te invece giochi? E io invece no, no, nel senso Quando ero più piccola, un pochino su qualcosina Tipo, non so se ti ricordi, c'era un gioco che si chiamava Pac-Man Forse c'è ancora, ah, esiste ancora, penso, sì. ovviamente Ed è migliorato nel corso Bellissimo. degli anni A me piaceva tantissimo Poi c'era il Tris, che era proprio uno dei primi giochi Che era sì, uscito sì, sul sì, computer sì, sì. C'era anche Prince of Persia Bellissimo. che magari eh, Esatto, era un gioco che io veramente adoravo Stavo in, nella mia cameretta Quando c'erano ancora quei computer vecchi sì. Si vedeva veramente sì. malissimo Però io adoravo quel gioco Bellissimo. Prince of Persia penso che sia proprio Prince il gioco Prince of Persia l'ho avuto tipo sia per il computer Che per la Wii Che per la Play, cioè per qualsiasi cosa Bellissimo, con tutti i livelli Dovevi superare tutti i livelli, vero, veramente vero. bello sì. E un altro super conosciuto Era Super Mario Bros ah, Che beh, era anche quello un classico, classico esatto Nintendo robe varie esatto sì su, col, col Game Boy mi ricordo che ah, lo usavo sul vero, Game vero, Boy giocavo sì è va vero. bene ne, ne parleremo con calma anche dopo adesso possiamo mandare la, la prima canzone e dopo presenteremo i nostri due ospiti adesso vi lasciamo a San Giovanni con Malibu ci piace giocare Facciamo le maracchelle quando bisticciamo Ti stringo la faccia e ti metto la mano sul cuore E sorridiamo quando ti arrabbia È una faccia dolcissima Siamo due scemi E sì che mi piace alla follia Ti pego le facce e mi tieni il broncio oh, Se ti tolgo il trucco oh, Ma lo sai che sei ancora più bella Quattro di notte e luci si spengono I cuori si bruciano E fanno le scintille La città da da Di notte si da 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 C'è ancora che da da
Eccoci tornati qui al Pertini Radio con Big Cini Life e ci siamo noi Fabio e Daniela. Eccoci qua. Salutiamo Martina ancora, dai, perché mi dispiace <ride> veramente che oggi non è qui con noi. Siamo sempre stati abituati a essere noi tre Vero. e oggi è strano. Vero, no, ma io me la sono presa. Sì, me te la, la sei legata, legata al dito. dito. Sì, sì, sì. sì, perché non si è preoccupata. Cioè... Ah, proprio dici, ci ha lasciato qua sì, proprio sì. così. Ma io non ci sono, basta. <ride> No dai scherziamo Comunque Marti se ci ascolti ti pensiamo sempre E siamo qui per te giovedì prossimo Quindi Ti aspettiamo Sì assolutamente Allora io davanti a me Elena e Cristina E vorrei fare un po' di domande Iniziare un po' con, con Cristina Chiederle un attimino Innanzitutto la saluto Ciao Cristina Ciao È una delle nostre bibliotecarie del Pertini Ed è qui con noi oggi per parlarci un po' di questa parte Giusto Fabio della parte gaming Esattamente e quindi Cristina ti chiediamo tu di cosa ti occupi nello specifico qui al Pertini allora io al Pertini diciamo che oltre ad essere una bibliotecaria come, come tutti gli altri mi occupo in particolare del servizio gaming lo seguo per il Pertini lo seguo anche per le altre biblioteche del CSBNO perché coordino un po' diciamo tutte le, le varie gaming zone che ci sono nelle, nelle nostre biblioteche che sono sempre di più e sempre più attrezzate quindi diciamo che mi occupo un po' di fare la parte di, di regia di, di questa cosa. Certo. Qui al Pertini la, diciamo che questo servizio è ormai attivo da, da qualche anno e diciamo che sta crescendo sempre di più nell'ultimo anno, è cresciuto veramente, veramente tanto e veramente in tutte, in tutte le direzioni. Quindi sicuramente è diventata la, la cosa di cui mi occupo principalmente qua, certo. qua al Pertini. Ed è anche una passione per te? Cioè come è nato, nato questo avvicinamento a questo, questo mondo? Allora è nato... È, principalmente per motivi lavorativi nel senso che nel momento in cui sono arrivati questi sconosciuti giochi nelle biblioteche ovviamente abbiamo dovuto attrezzarci per gestirli poi ovviamente gestendo eventi coordinandomi con associazioni che si occupano con diciamo gamer spiegatati mi sono un attimino anch'io sono stata tirata dentro questo mondo mi piace tantissimo giocare ai giochi da tavolo veramente di quasi tutte le tipologie 
faccio un po' più fatica con i videogiochi ma per un problema di coordinazione mano-occhio che penso sia ah ok, okay. quindi preferisci più i giochi diciamo classici da, da tavolo preferisco i giochi sì i giochi da tavolo mi piacciono particolarmente diciamo non che non mi piacciono i, gio- i videogiochi i videogiochi sono, sono sempre più belli sono delle esperienze che veramente eh, io sono anche molto appassionata di cinema e veramente il confine a volte è veramente, è veramente labile Diciamo che serve appunto una dedizione e una capacità che mi, mi frustra tantissimo perché magari sono in questi scenari meravigliosi e poi non riesco a superare quel pezzettino lì perché il mio personaggio muore tutte le volte. Ah, caspita! Da, dopo tre giorni dico, vabbè, che okay, basta, non ci gioco Anche più. a te che succede, Fabio? Ma Anche a allora, te è successo eh, in vari giochi a allora, cui hai giocato? Mh, io sono... non so come definirmi, però tipo sono un, un giocatore seriale per certi versi, nel senso che ci sono determinati giochi in cui se non va, che ne so, magari quelli con eh, la storia che si sviluppa sì. di un personaggio, che se la storia non va come voglio io... Eh, io piuttosto tipo la ricomincio perché devi ah, andare cioè okay. magari ci sono quei giochi lì particolari in cui in base alle scelte che fai eh, tipo cambia il corso della storia e magari a volte facevo delle scelte che poi mi portavano a sviluppi che non mi piacevano Quindi allora piuttosto indietro. la ricominciavo io... ah piuttosto perdevi il livello sì, sì, sì. Per ricominciare. Sì, piuttosto ricominciamo. Ah, sì, 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 capito. assolutamente. Quindi sei proprio un gamer. Sì, sono per, per, per certe cioè, robe proprio... sono un po' malato. Sì. <ride> Perfezionista esatto, proprio. Esatto. Bene, Cristina, quindi qui mh, all'interno del Pertini ci sono delle iniziative. Che cosa fate, diciamo, per, per questi giochi? Allora, attualmente abbiamo una collezione di giochi da tavolo che sta piano piano crescendo, adesso in occasione del, um, della settimana dedicata al gioco nelle biblioteche che è un evento internazionale che, c'è, che si ripresenta ogni anno, inseriremo uh, i nostri ultimi acquisti che sono veramente uh, decine di, di giochi, ci siamo veramente dati alla pazza gioia. Sono giochi che ovviamente sono disponibili per essere presi in prestito, Abbiamo notato con piacere che eh, questo servizio è stato evidentemente molto di conforto nel, nell'ultimo anno in cui la gente non certo. poteva uscire perché ha proprio avuto una crescita certo. immensa nelle nostre biblioteche. Quindi una crescita esponenziale anche per i problemi legati al Covid, penso, no? Esatto, cioè dovendo stare la gente a casa, magari anche intrattenere giovani piuttosto che bambini, i giochi da tavolo sono andati via tantissimo e questo certo. ci fa ovviamente molto piacere. Bene e appunto li diamo in prestito è sempre stato possibile venire qui al Pertini a, a prenderli per giocare in biblioteca proprio per trovarsi anche magari una sera piuttosto che la domenica per giocare anche come appunto. punto di ritrovo un esatto. pochino esatto è il principale senso di avere i giochi in biblioteca è proprio questo creare dei momenti di socialità tra, tra le persone ovviamente questa cosa si è inevitabilmente arrestata ma speriamo che quest'anno a partire da novembre possa, possa ringranare anche questo, questo trovarsi proprio in biblioteca a giocare non solo a scacchi come eh, che era un appuntamento fisso che avevamo ma proprio anche agli altri, agli altri giochi da tavolo che sono tantissime proprio di tutti, di tutti i tipi ma anche perché non è vero una passione solo per i più piccoli cioè come ci raccontavi è una cosa che eh, prende anche un po' gli adulti giusto? sì in realtà prende principalmente gli adulti se guardiamo le statistiche dei videogiocatori il videogiocatore tipo ha 30 anni non ne ha, ah, non ne okay. ha 8 quindi comunque adulti già adulti okay. anche i giocatori da tavolo i giocatori da tavolo 
nel senso quelli che giocano ai giochi da tavolo sì. sono, sono principalmente adulti, classici eh, nerd che certo, eh, che, che sono hanno, esatto collezioni che hanno la passione proprio che hanno collezioni immense di, di, di giochi, giochi da tavolo esatto poi ovviamente ci sono anche, anche i bambini e il lavoro sui bambini ovviamente non è neanche un lavoro su che noi facciamo per, di promozione per i bambini perché i bambini a giocare li tiri sempre dentro è più un lavoro che facciamo educativo su magari il genitore certo. proprio per ehm, creare un rapporto di gioco attraverso, attraverso i giochi da tavolo certo e poi prima mi dicevi nel fuori onda una cosa interessantissima ma nel senso che voi fate giocare i bambini però ci sono dei tempi limite per sì, il gioco esatto per ad esempio i videogiochi perché è uno dei ritornelli che accompagnano sempre i videogiochi soprattutto legati ai bambini più piccoli è che il videogioco eh, tende a isolare tende a far diventare violenti fa venire le crisi certo, epilettiche eccetera eccetera certo ovviamente tutte le cose hanno i loro pro e contro assolutamente eh, e nel caso dei videogiochi chiaramente eh, isolarsi nella propria stanzina a giocare sicuramente è una cosa deleteria in biblioteca invece giocare anche con i videogiochi come speriamo sarà possibile sempre qua al Pertini quando finalmente inaugureremo la, la nostra gaming zone probabilmente nel 2022 ehm, eh, giocare al Pertini significa giocare insieme agli altri giocare soprattutto eh, con gio- videogiochi adatti alla proprietà perché certo. anche questo è un tema eh, spesso c'è molta ignoranza legato, è vero, concordo. legato al, all'età che invece è segnalata sul videogioco quindi è importante anche conoscere lo strumento e poi soprattutto si gioca per si educa il bambino a giocare per un tot di tempo un, giochiamo una mezz'oretta al videogioco poi facciamo altro anche cioè. perché si perde un po' la cognizione del tempo quando si gioca penso no? sì come tutte le cose molto divertenti soprattutto in cui ehm, devi riuscire ti dà comunque quell'adrenalina certo tipo, cioè anche io le prime volte con la playstation quando l'ho comprata ci passavi pomeriggi <ride> ti perdevi proprio all'interno esatto. dei giochi immagino esatto. poi mi è venuta la tendinite quindi ho detto ah, forse quindi... il caso di Luisco <ride> per cause di forza maggiore esatto. anche tu Fabio giocavi hai detto sia sì, la playstation sì, sì ci giochi sì, sì, ancora sì, però ti dai un tempo limite o diciamo quando entri proprio nel, nel vivo del gioco non riesci poi più a staccarti ma dipende allora adesso è davvero mh, molto tempo che non ci gioco cioè sarà più o meno un anno che non ci gioco però hai, cioè, prima magari ci giocavo eh, mi ricordo durante il lockdown che i videogiochi hanno avuto un boom ovviamente perché eravamo tutti a casa sì. ehm, ci giocavo la sera con i miei amici ah ok quindi, quindi però sempre in gruppo comunque in sì, compagnia non da solo okay. no 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 e, diciamo che avevi un tempo limite ma perché te lo, cioè, te lo autoimponeva il tuo sonno cioè quindi Veritalmente no, esatto, magari iniziavi a giocare più o meno alle 10 in vento e poi una certa che ne so verso mezzanotte massimo l'una poi staccavi perché andavi, andavi a dormire certo eh, però sì ci sono state comunque in passato le, le, le giornate intere che magari davvero ti alzavi la mattina eh, accendevi la play giocavi, pranzavi, tornavi a giocare tutto il giorno, cenavi e tornavi a giocare perché volevi vincere a tutti i costi quindi avevi in testa sì, di arrivare eri... a, de- a degli obiettivi e di vincere quei sì, livelli sì, sì. E... e perché sei talmente preso da, da quel gioco e da quello che stai facendo che non te ne rendi conto o È comunque vero. anche se te ne rendi conto magari dici ok so che sto giocando tanto però non mi interessa voglio continuare a giocare certo no? perché sei proprio preso 
Sì. Poi Cristina ha detto una cosa super importante che bisogna educare assolutamente i genitori a far giocare in modo corretto tra virgolette i propri figli quindi utilizzare dei giochi dove c'è scritta diciamo la loro età quindi non utilizzare dei giochi che non vanno bene per determinate età e quindi è una cosa molto molto importante bene io Fabio direi di proseguire col nostro secondo brano se sei d'accordo e io ascolterei L di Ariete Mi hai fatto credere di essere speciale per un giorno, per un nanosecondo, poi mi hai sparato un colpo. Se non mi guardi indietro giuro che poi torno tutto a posto, ma non ne faccio a meno, quindi mi giro e muoio. E quanto ho detto non lo faccio più, non ricado giù, se non mi vuoi non ti voglio. E quanto ho detto non ci casco più, e poi ci casco sempre, il tuo cuore ed una mente, finché sempre chi mente. Sei così lontana che non so nemmeno se ti ho persa Ne giro una delle e mi rimane mezza sigaretta E sei così lontana che non so nemmeno se sei stata mia E me ne vado via E prenderà la mia E me ne vado via E tu prenderà la mia mi hai fatto credere di amarmi perché sei brava a mentire Mi dici che ti manco, non ti voglio sentire Le bugie bianche sono tali quando non si sporco dentro Ma tu sei così in marcia che non spreco più tanto E quanto ho detto non lo faccio più, non ricado giù Se non mi vuoi non ti voglio E quanto ho detto non ci casco più E poi ci casco sempre, tuo cuore ed una mente Vince sempre chi mente sei così lontana che non so nemmeno se ti ho perso Ne giro una delle e mi rimane mezza sigaretta E sei così lontana che non so nemmeno se sei stata mia E me ne vado via E prenderà la mia Sei così lontana che non so nemmeno se ti ho perso mi giro una delle e mi rimane mezza sigaretta E sei così lontano che non so nemmeno se sei stata mia E me ne vado via E prenderà la mia E me ne vado via E tu prenderà la mia mi ha fatto credere di essere speciale per un giorno, per un nanosecondo, poi mi ha sparato un colpo. Siamo tornati live, Eccoci. siamo in diretta, Big Eccoci. Cini Live. Sì. Allora, siamo ancora qui con Cristina ed Elena. E... È un po' passata l'ansia da, da diretta. Sì, dai, <ride> un, un po pochino passata. sì. A Cosa dici sì. Cristina? Non Sei un so po' più... <ride> Beh, è normale, un po' di tensione ci vuole all'inizio, Ma dai. Sì. Un po' di adrenalina, di tensione, fanno bene, sono sane, dai. Fanno benissimo. Allora, io proseguirei con, eh, con qualche domandina. Eh, volevo chiedere... Che tipo di giochi eh, vanno per, per la maggiore? Cioè, quali sono i giochi eh, che, vanno, che vanno di più? Non so, magari se ci sono dei giochi qui al Pertini o anche in generale che, che si preferiscono? 
Allora, qua al Pertini al momento abbiamo solo eh, giochi da tavolo, quindi parlando di giochi da tavolo, quelli che vanno sicuramente di più, eh, a parte ovviamente tutti quelli per eh, i più piccolini, eh, sono eh, i party game, cioè quei giochi che sono abbastanza semplici e che si possono fare in gruppo. Ad esempio c'è Dixit, che è appunto anche un gioco eh, a cui abbiamo dedicato uno dei nostri eventi del 13, del 13 novembre, che è eh, un party game che è famosissimo, ormai è un classico, quasi eh, non ai livelli del Monopoli, ma quasi. È un gioco bellissimo, con delle carte molto suggestive, disegnate veramente, veramente in modo... Dovrei provarlo perché non lo conosco. È eh, molto... Esatto, non, non l'ho mai provato. È molto carino ed è soprattutto molto semplice, quindi di solito con Dixit si va sul sicuro, piace sempre, sempre a tutti, sia a famiglie ma anche a gente adulta, non ha assolutamente un target okay. specifico. Quindi sicuramente party game come questo, come vabbè, i più classici che sono tabù, che sono ah, eh, non so, bello, Cluedo. Bello. A Cluedo Quindi, non ci ho mai giocato. Neanche io. Cioè no, me l'hanno sempre no. parlato bene, però non, non ci ho mai giocato. Io ho provato Trivial, non so se è un gioco che si usa sì. ancora, che va... Sì, diciamo che questi qui che sono proprio i classiconi, che tutti un po' conoscono, eh, vanno ovviamente di più perché la gente non, fa meno fatica ad entrare nel gioco, mentre invece i nuovi giochi in cui magari uno rimane un po' più spiazzato all'inizio perché deve apprendere come si gioca, certo. però ad esempio parlando di Cluedo i giochi investigativi ormai ne escono veramente decine, anche giochi come eh, vanno tanto tra i giovani e gli adolescenti sono le escape room da tavolo, cioè quei oh. giochi in cui bisogna risolvere gli enigmi per poter arrivare alla fine del gioco che sono appunto giochi cooperativi perché in realtà non si gioca contro gli altri ma proprio è una sfida un gruppo proprio insieme esatto, certo. vanno tantissimo invece se parliamo di videogiochi perché nelle nostre biblioteche per il prestito ci sono anche videogiochi e arriveranno anche qui al, al Pertini ovviamente il gioco in assoluto più giocato in tutte le biblioteche è ovviamente FIFA giustamente FIFA. Tu lo conosci che ovviamente anche, esatto, Fabio, <ride> non te lo chiedo neanche. Cioè, proprio è, è sicuramente quello, i vari picchiaduro tipo Tekken piacciono tanto, piacciono tanto in generale i giochi di sport perché sono quei giochi che si prestano molto ad essere fatti in biblioteca perché magari lo studente che viene a studiare fa quella pausa di un quarto d'ora col suo amico, è una cosa veloce, si sfidano certo. e poi ritornano a studiare. Mentre i giochi narrativi ovviamente richiedono un tempo di gioco che eh, sicuramente vanno di più per il prestito piuttosto che per, la... che per il gioco in biblioteca. Però non, diciamo, non abbiamo solo PlayStation, ultimamente abbiamo iniziato ad acquistare anche giochi per la Nintendo Switch che, ehm, che diciamo che la sta abbastanza piantonando perché vanno sì. veramente tantissimo i giochi per la, per la Nintendo, hanno, hanno proprio una... Ah, non pensavo andasse ancora così tanto di moda. La Switch. La Switch, sì, eh, sì. io sono rimasta un po' indietro, no, non, infatti, non conosco bene tutti... Cioè, non l'ho mai provata, però vedevo nelle, nelle pubblicità, appunto, che fanno vedere, diciamo, i ragazzi che si sfidano, perché poi oltretutto puoi portarla... Cioè, se non ho capito male, tipo, la puoi portare con te. Sì, e... è tipo, è il nuovo Game Boy, per esempio. Eh, esatto. E Cristina, i tuoi giochi preferiti da tavolo e se ne hai anche videogiochi? Ah, videogiochi, vabbè, a me piace giocare a tennis, nel senso che, che bello, ho sempre bellissimo. sognato di saper giocare veramente a tennis, visto che, <ride> che non riesco col videogioco, sì, anche con la Wii mi piaceva giocare a tennis, bello. ma anche con la PlayStation. 
se parliamo di videogiochi, se parliamo di giochi da tavolo, a me piacciono i giochi gestionali, che sono quei giochi un po' più complessi, diciamo, che, che appunto vanno, hanno tantissime nozioni che devi, devi mettere, mettere in pratica, ce ne sono veramente, veramente tanti e sono quelli un po' più difficili, spesso sono legati anche a dei, dei franchise famosi, ad esempio il gioco eh, sul, abbinato allo squalo, il film, ah, okay. c'è il gioco di Breaking Bad in cui wow, devi... bellissimo, cioè, è veramente, veramente carino, simpatico, anche perché ti riportano un po' in quel, in quel mondo lì, quindi partire da un'ambientazione forte, diciamo che a me... Ispira, ispira sempre poi mi piacciono tanto anche i giochi di piazzamento che sono quei giochi diciamo i più famosi ovviamente sono la dama gli scacchi e i nuovi giochi di piazzamento ce ne sono tantissimi hanno delle ambientazioni molto suggestive c'è Azul che è tipo un nuovo classico che durante il lockdown ha fatto una, una, un record di, di vendite assurdo che è molto carino perché devi creare le azuleie le, le piastrelle ah. portoghesi appunto piazzando queste tesserine che sono proprio carine ti viene voglia di Ma mangiarle bello non lo conoscevo neanche io sinceramente gioco. no neanche io bellissimo dobbiamo farci più una cultura su questi giochi nuovi sì. da tavolo sì, 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 assolutamente. anche perché dicevamo un po' di puntate fa che le, ludo, le vere ludoteche non le trovi comunque così tanto in giro cioè rispetto a prima No, anche perché spesso sono legate ai pub. Esatto. Quindi si crea questa, questa commissione ludoteca pure, cioè o ci sono alcuni negozi di giochi che fanno anche magari dei pomeriggi dedicati, oppure ci sono delle associazioni che allora si ritrovano. Però effettivamente delle, delle ludoteche che non ti chiedono niente, nel senso che non ti chiedono consumazione, non esatto, ti chiedono testa. È un po' difficile no, trovare. Solo la biblioteca, penso. Eh sì, è rimasto. Eh sì, e noi infatti siamo qui al Pertini, quindi chi volesse proprio provare a giocare o chi volesse venire anche in gruppo con i propri figli può comunque rivolgersi a voi. Certo. Bene, tu Fabio hai altre domande per Cristina? Uh, no, io penso di aver finito. Volevo chiedere, volevo passare poi la parola ad Elena e chiederle magari che qual era diciamo la... Ecco, cioè che cosa che ah, stanno un, facendo un il change un attimo esatto un change tecnico per <ride> posizionamenti davanti al microfono ecco cioè, come, come si è avvicinata invece lei a, a questo mondo eh, se per necessità o per altro bah, dunque tanto ciao ciao Elena grazie allora. anche a te di essere qua con noi eh, dunque io vabbè, in, nel gruppo gaming sono stata coinvolta in quanto referente dell'area ragazzi e quindi dato che sono stati acquistati dei, dei giochi appunto per bambini diciamo sono stata inserita in questo gruppo e infatti il giorno che organizzeremo appunto l'International Games eh, Week eh, praticamente ci saremo anche noi e tra l'altro appunto alla mattina leggeremo delle storie che hanno proprio gli stessi protagonisti, cioè dei libri che abbiamo da, da tanto noi okay. in biblioteca, leggeremo queste storie e giocheremo con il gioco appunto ah, che li vede protagonisti. Quindi per i, più per i bambini sì, e i genitori. E, genitori, sì, okay. sì, e sì. quando avverrà questo, questa, eh, questo... questo evento? Quando ci sarà? Ci sarà il 13 di novembre. Praticamente tutta la settimana, dal, okay. dal lunedì 8 al, al 14, ci, saranno, ci sarà la possibilità, eh, per esempio, di giocare durante la settimana a FIFA, al piano Bene. terra del Pertini. Ma il giorno 13 ci, sarà proprio, ehm, ci saranno diversi eventi. Ok. 
ma si eh, può partecipare liberamente? Bisogna prenotare, infatti okay. il numero è quello dell'area ragazzi che è 0266023552 per iscriversi perché comunque per motivi di, legati al covid non possiamo ospitare più di un tot di persone contemporaneamente però diciamo che insomma ce la facciamo nel okay, senso. Perfetto. e quindi la mattina alle 10.30 ci saranno queste letture in gioco dove leggeremo appunto alcune storie che riguardano dei protagonisti che troviamo proprio nei giochi quindi il bambino può vedere il libro e vedere Bellissima il gioco questa e quindi cosa. sono associate sì. Molto bella. ma c'è un limite di età? Allora, in questo caso per la mattina l'età è 4-7 anni. Ok. E poi ci sarà invece la simultanea di scacchi eh, al, alle 15 al piano interrato dove ci sarà il maestro Minanissen che sfiderà contemporaneamente 20 giocatori a scacchi. Eh. E questo sarà organizzato dall'associazione Scacchi Cinisello. Qua però c'è un numero eh, di WhatsApp a cui... Scrivere, scrivere, non so se lo devo okay. dire adesso. Sì, oppure... sì, puoi mm. dirlo assolutamente. Ok, il numero è 338-939-5624. Perfetto. E quindi l'iscrizione è gratuita, è tutto gratuito. È tutto gratuito, sì, però sì, bisogna sì. iscriversi appunto per la problematica legata al Covid, sì. cioè non, non, si sì. può, non ci possono essere troppe persone. Sì, ok. Infatti. E poi c'è dalle 15 ci sarà gioca in biblioteca, eh, praticamente al piano terra ci sarà la possibilità di provare diversi giochi per chi non li conosce e vuole imparare e questo va bene sia per bambini che per genitori che per ragazzi. Anche qui bisogna iscriversi sempre al numero di area ragazzi che ho detto prima, quindi 0266023552 okay. e due tavoli saranno dedicati ha due giochi mh, che sono Cinixellum e Archeologia mh, e ci sarà presente proprio l'ideatrice di questi due giochi che è una cinisellese, si chiama Chiara Bocchi. Che noi eh, abbiamo, che abbiamo conosciuto ospitato, abbiamo ospitato abbiamo qui ospitato da noi. Qui, sì. esatto. Abbiamo anche provato a giocare, ti ricordi Fabio? A sì, è vero, è vero. Dopo... Abbiamo fatto una partita dopo la, dopo dopo la puntata, puntata nel fuori onda. Sì, 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 sì molto ci, bello. Ci stava giocando la Marti. È vero, ha giocato era, anche lei. Era molto presa. <ride> sì, molto bello come gioco. Bene, quindi sì. un sacco di iniziative. Sì, poi alle 15 mh, invece c'è sempre in area ragazzi ci sarà Dixit appunto in famiglia ah, okay. e a proposito di questo volevo di rispondere anche alla domanda che mi hai fatto prima è uno dei miei giochi preferiti perché io essendo più vecchia di voi <ride> vabbè, mi piaceva tantissimo il Tetris eh, Bello, come vero, videogioco bellissimo. sì proprio lo adoravo però poi ho scoperto Dixit e per me Dixit è, è veramente bello ma proprio bello e coinvolge veramente tutti tutti quindi e, adulti bambini sì, e a questo tutto. proposito vorrei raccontare proprio una cosa che è successa perché prima del, del covid noi avevamo nella zona della musica venivano sempre dei ragazzini si mettevano lì a, col videogiochi eh, cioè nel senso col telefonino a cercare ah, okay. di giocare tra loro e un pomeriggio abbiamo organizzato questo Dixit eh, per famiglie e, e pre, dove si sono iscritte delle persone siamo andati a chiamare questi ragazzini che stavano sempre lì a giocare con il videogioco da soli li abbiamo coinvolti in ah, che bello oh praticamente non se ne andavano più nel ah, senso che gli è piaciuto sì, tantissimo. tantissimo gli è piaciuto e tra l'altro penso che abbiano anche vinto eh, cioè per dire abbiano sì, sì. Bene, e quindi eh, penso che sia veramente un gioco molto coinvolgente bello, allora dobbiamo provarlo Fabio Sì, e se, e se non sapete giocare quel giorno lì è l'occasione giusta per venire e imparare assolutamente l'età è più 8 Okay. Mm, e anche qui c'è il numero sempre dell'area ragazzi quello che, okay. appunto, quello che abbiamo detto, detto prima, prima. Perfetto. Okay. e per finire il 14 che è domenica invece eh, alle 15 eh, ci sarà 
eh, sempre nel, al primo piano però un po' più spostato vicino dietro gli ascensori ci sarà il torneo di FIFA 22 a squadre stiamo già prendendo delle prenotazioni okay. però qui è richiesto che ci sia un genitore o un nonno o uno zio un familiare e okay. il, il ragazzo cioè ah. la squadra è composta per forza da due persone così non da due ragazzi o da due genitori ok e in modo che praticamente mh, si sfideranno e quindi le squadre saranno otto otto squadre quindi 16 persone che si sfideranno bellissimo anche qui più di otto anni le requisiti okay, ecco per questo bene. qua di FIFA ci posso pensare <ride> sì dai Quante dai più otto quindi puoi partecipare esatto. <ride> benissimo okay. bene ragazze grazie mille Grazie è della stato, vostra disponibilità. È stato un piacere avervi qua. Esatto, prego, prego. è stato proprio un piacere. Noi vi auguriamo buon lavoro con, tutta queste, con tutte queste iniziative da organizzare, da fare e vi aspettiamo assolutamente ancora qui ospiti a Big Cini Life, come sempre il giovedì. Grazie mille. Grazie mille a voi. Grazie, ciao, ciao ragazze, ciao. grazie. Mentre tu sei lì a struccarti io non riesco a addormentarmi Non dovresti preoccuparti tanto resti sempre meglio di me La più bella che c'è Mi cade il vino sulla coscia Vedo le macchie di roccia Piango mentre siamo in doccia Ehi, cosa hai capito di me? Per la seduta con te Come campano i piccioni in Duomo hanno cibo in cambio di una foto Ma che male c'è È capitato anche a me Facciamoci questo ballo Che forse è l'ultimo tango Mettiti il vestito bianco E le converse piene di fango Rispondo a quegli stronzi Che ti scrivono E ho fatto qualche figuraccia E qualche volta piango E tutti ridono Ma tu mi levi fari dalla faccia Giuro Cercando amici nuovi del tipo pochi ma buoni Al momento siamo un numero Dispari il minore di tre Che poi vuol dire me Scusa le parole forti E se ho scomodato i morti Mi prendo tutti i torti Scusa ma ero fuori di me E pazzo sì E pazzo di te in mezzo ai pacchi del trasloco con l'appartamento vuoto Metti i piedi su una foto, la guardia ti ricordi di me Ti ricordi di me Perché non prendi il volo dopo che almeno stasera ceni Scendo a fare la spesa, elencami i tuoi allergeni Rispondo a quegli stronzi che ti scrivono E ho fatto qualche figuraccia e qualche volta piango e tutti ridono, ma tu mi levi fari dalla faccia, giuro, mi fai venire voglia di futuro, dimmi come che fai, mi lasci vincere, poi vuoi la rivincita, e litigare con te meglio del cinema. Anche col trucco io ti riconosco, e tu giri di su è meglio che vomitare, svegliami e manda a letto il mostro. Non è poi così lontano il mare Giuro Mi fai venire voglia di futuro Dimmi come che fai Mi 
lasci vincere poi vuoi la rivincita e litigare con te meglio del cinema Fedez meglio del cinema siamo Bellissima tornati live canzone. bella bella Dai, sì, proprio sì, romantica sì. no eh sì ha fatto ha fatto il botto il botto proprio <ride> ha fatto il botto sì allora, e... siamo, siamo arrivati alla fine di questa puntata. Sì, purtroppo, come sempre, puntata. siamo sempre dispiaciuti quando arriviamo alla fine. Bella, mi è, mi è piaciuta. Sì, anche a me. Adesso ho voglia di giocare alla Play, me sì. la comprerò e mi metterò lì a giocare giorno sì. e notte. Sì, 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 guarda, io dopo un pensierino ce lo faccio. Sì, eh, e... immagino, immagino. <ride> no, ma sai che tra l'altro volevo dirti una curiosità che ho letto nel ah. fuori onda, una cosa, siccome parlavamo di Tris, anche Elena sì. prima ci stava dicendo che le piaceva tantissimo come, come gioco. Sì. Sai in che anno è stato realizzato il primo videogioco? Vediamo se, se riesci così a rispondere Oddio, proprio... Il primo videogioco? Il primo videogioco, in che anno secondo te è stato realizzato? Oh, Più mamma. o meno, dai. Boh, io ti dico... Non lo so, 1980, 90. No, no. prima, 1952. Prima? Sì. Oh mamma, Nel 52, è esatto, prestissimo, è stato realizzato il primo videogioco, Tris, appunto, che non è però il Tris a cui giochiamo noi adesso, certo. ma era molto più, cioè era, era diverso, sì, aveva sì, meno sì, cose, sì. A, presso l'Università di Cambridge. Quindi ah, lì c'è stato proprio il primo E tra l'altro era un gioco come Non so se hai presente i vecchi videogiochi Che trovi nei bar Quindi proprio con la, tutta ah, la, eh, la struttura Ah sì 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 Che c'hai tipo la, la monopola rossa piccolina Esatto che, <ride> esatto, Che devi così. inserire ancora il, il gettone Devi inserire il gettone Che ancora ce ne sono alcuni sì, eh, sì, sì, Se ne vedono anche nelle sale giochi sì. così. E quindi nel 52 il primo videogioco Ma sì. che figata E pensa adesso a cosa siamo arrivati Perché comunque Mamma ci sono mia. dei videogiochi Che davvero sono spaziali rispetto adesso a con eh, il virtual game che esatto. sai, metti quella, quella sorta di, di occhiali che è, è come vero. se fossi diciamo catapultato direttamente in quel mondo sì, è come se fossi dentro proprio all'interno proprio del, del videogioco e pensate nel 1952 cioè... sì, noi non esistevamo esatto. ancora proprio <ride> sì, va bene bene quindi Dani, siamo arrivati alla fine sì Salutiamo i nostri Salutiamo ascoltatori. Salutiamo tutti, ricordiamoci, ricordiamoci e ricordatevi che potete seguirci su, su Spreaker durante la live, poi su Spotify dopo la diretta, seguiteci, seguiteci sui social, su Instagram, su Facebook, il Pertini Radio e mi raccomando, eh, ascoltateci. Ascoltateci, noi torniamo qui giovedì prossimo alle 17, sempre con voi Big Cini Life. Ciao a tutti! Ciao! Non si fa così, non fare così, è sta storia più pazza di me di te, zero scuse ora, siamo io e te ancora, con la bella scura spieghi tu perché ci siamo persi, non mi trovi più, per colpa di entrambi non di qualcun altro, e rifletti ora, puoi capire che quel che ho fatto per te nessuno l'ha fatto, yeah yeah. Tutto si sgretola in fretta, manco più il tempo di respirare, sparimire alla mia testa. Ma anche pure sopravvivo, vado avanti, mo compro diamanti Prima il fumo pacca è una fatica, ancora meglio non pensarti E tu mi chiedevi la luna, ti meritavi sì tutti i pianeti Forse sei stati fin troppo severi con noi Sognavamo il mondo e d'ora non mi guardi Non voglio buttare ancora quei ricordi Pure se ora voglio fare passi avanti Baby, non andare rimane 
ne possiamo parlare o puntarci le armi e non so manco che fai con chi sei dove stai non andare rimani alzi tacchi e poi vai wow 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 baby non andare rimani ne possiamo parlare o puntarci le armi e non so manco che fai con chi sei dove stai non andare rimani alzi tacchi e poi vai Prima rubavamo abiti, ora ho camice di barberi Sei il solito cane che abbaia e non morde Non fai paura, paura della morte Quanta fatica che faccio quando ti provo a capire Ora non serve un abbraccio, tu mi vuoi solo colpire E prova a non cadere, andare in alto e non cascare Ora non servono le preghiere, parli ma non sei niente uguale Non mi puoi mentire yeah. Non posso fallire e non ti sento più da settimane E ognuno è andato per la propria strada E allora dimmi cosa mi rimane Sappiamo entrambi quanto abbiamo dato Ma tutto ci è passato Baby, non andare rimani Ne possiamo parlare O puntarci le armi E non so manco che fai Con chi sei dove stai Non andare rimani Alzi tacchi e poi vai, wow, 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 baby, non andare rimani, ne possiamo parlare, o puntarci le armi, e non so manco che fai, con chi sei dove stai, non andare rimani, alzi tacchi e poi vai, wow, 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 baby, ok, wow, 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 baby, alzi tacchi e poi vai. Ora penso domani, a domani. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating and leave a review. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.